everyone! Welcome to episode 562 of Conversation Street, the unofficial Coronation Street spoiler-free podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Today we're talking about episodes that were broadcast in the UK between the 6th and the 10th of February 2023, episodes 10,870 to 10,875. Yes, we are. How professional of I'm, you. I'm glad you've uh, arranged to talk about the same episodes as I have this week. Yeah, That's I thought I was I was going to go back and like <laughs> look at some older ones, and then I thought... No, I could we've do, already done that. I could do 2024 instead, and <laughs> turns out I haven't made them yet. <laughs> well, let's I stick with this week, shall we? Okay, now, we um, before we get cracking with all that, we did say on last week's podcast that we have a competition that we're launching this week. It's a very special competition from our secret mysterious benefactor who has donated a year's worth of patron to one lucky winner. Which and tier? Like our lowest tier? A top tier. Top tier? Oh my gosh, the Rover's tier. tier. What right. a bargain. So please, if you would like to support us, you can also join up. There are different tiers, as Michael's just um, alluded, alluded to. to. Nice word. Uh, the top tier, you get a nice piece of merch every year. Don't know what the new one is yet. We don't know what we're going to do this year. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Probably a dog handkerchief to tie around your dog's neck (laughs) to make them look cool. I don't know. Um, Not that. (laughs) Um, You get, yeah, a piece of merch every year and you get access to our um, our bonus episodes. One a month. There are over 40 now for you to listen to. And you also get a thank you postcard from me. And Um, me. I write it. You do, this is Gemma's job to write it, I sign the bottom. Right, so um, if you would like that for free, you have to answer a question and then you'll be entered into the draw. Oh, when do we win. have to answer the question for? Well, we I haven't, haven't actually agreed a on a date, don't we do. We? We have because to, we've got to well, make sure to... our lovely Canadian friends and. Yes, yeah, so would you want to do it in like three weeks' time? Should we do it in a month? In a month's time. Well, let's, let's say then, in time for. Uh, let's say by the 9th of March, I'm going to say. 10th. Why the ninth? Well, the ninth. The, the I, I kind of want right. to picked it by the time. By the ninth of March. Thursday, the ninth of get March. You got to get the answer to this question. Listen, you got to email it. But can to I us. just tell you, you don't have lots of time for this because you're going to forget, aren't you? Do it now. You know yourself well enough. And we all know you. You've been listening for a long time. Yeah. You're going to forget if you don't do it now. And you. What was that? Oh. Um, you you you, <laughs> you 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 got to you got to do it. Um, so right. I was distracted so I, uh, by whatever that was. It was a it was a message from my friend Rachel. Okay. Teasing her. Right. Patreon competition question. Michael, you go. Right. I, I I wanted to do something podcast related, as we generally tend to do for these special Patreon competitions. And the question is um is this? It's just about podcast related. In 1991, Stephen Andy McDonald, Corey's original podcasters. There you go. Set up a pirate radio station. It's if they'd have if they'd have had podcasting back then, this is what they'd have done, isn't it? Oh, so they would have Steve, loved it. Stephen, you haven't had the question yet. Don't worry, you haven't oh. missed it. So Stephen Andy set up a pirate radio station, and they had a series on that which made fun of their teacher Ken Ken Barlow. The Ken title Barlow. of the series, not the radio station, but the series they set up, had a funny title. And I want you to tell me what that title is. I can tell Gemma as well, oh, if you like. that sounds too hard. No, that's easy. How will I find that out? We just went on Coropedia and within about 30 seconds or less found the answer to that question. So, so if what, you really want to Coropedia? earn... What's Coropedia? It's an awesome... Um, resource. Resource and uh, cornucopia of Cory trivia and Coronationstreet.fandom.com. Well done. So yeah, if you go there, and I'm not going to tell you what to type into the search bar if you don't know, but... You'll, you'll find it quite quickly, hopefully, with some of the clues we're giving you. So it was Andy and Steve McDonald made a radio series. Station. Yeah, station. Yeah, but there was a series on the radio. What was the series? 
Tell you what, if you can just in- you know what interpret what the question Listen, is. Do you know, this reminds me of just win. at the very like in the nineties when the internet was first becoming popular, and I'm sure there was like a famous clip of a BBC radio, uh, a BBC children's TV show going. If you want to find out more, go to bbc.co.uk forward slash children's television dot competition dot htm dot question mark. Um, one, two, eight, three, seven, two. No, this, this is then, easy. <laughs> right, 9th of March, you've got to get us the answer. You've got to email it you... to us and please put something like competition as right. the header in the email Listen. so I know. By the 9th of March, email us at <laughs> conversation, shut up, conversationstreet at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, that's quite important. Conversationstreet at gmail.com with the answer to the question we've said about three times now, and you will win a year. You might, you're in the, in the draw to win a year. You might, you might win. Patriot. You're in with a chance. Oh, you're in Gemma, with a pretty good can chance. Can you just read out the question one last time? Because I think I didn't do a very good job. In 1991, Steve and Andy, Corey's original podcasters, set up a pirate radio station. What was the name of the show they set up, whose title poked fun at their teacher, Ken Barlow? Excellent, well read. Thank you. No excuses for not knowing what the question is now, everybody. My lovely wife read that out perfectly. So get those emails to (laughs) us by the 9th of March, and then hopefully on the podcast that will come out on the 11th of March, we'll announce a winner. So, speaking so of winners, Gemma. Of that now? Speaking of winners, I would like to be one. So, um, I hope you have a quiz. Have I you do got a bit of paper? Uh, no, I, I don't it's have. Down there. Whatever. In it? Oh, yeah. There's a pen there. Oh, brilliant. Okay, okay. Right. Go. These are things that I found on coronationstreet.fandom.com. Never heard of it. That, hurt, that happened between five and ten years and multiples of five ago. Yes, years ending in a three or an eight. Um, and this happened between the 6th and the 10th of February. And I shall ask you the questions now. Are you ready? This is to win a year's Patreon. No, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> Let it rubbish. <laughs> Sixth of February. I've got an attic for the Conversation Street t-shirts, thank you. Sixth <laughs> of February, 2008. First appearance of the cousin of Liam, Michelle and Paul Connor. What's his name? Oh, the 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 family is is so wide. Um, he appeared in sixty nine episodes. The cut the the cousin of who? Michelle, Liam, and Paul. Was it like? It wasn't like Tom Carrigan, was it? Was he related to them? I would only accept the answer Tom in the form of a statement. Was the person who yes. worked with Well you done. Were I'm actually super impressed by that. Thank you very much. Tom Carrigan, well done. Thanks. 7th of February, 1968. Which two tykes were playing inside Elliston's raincoat factory when the bulldozers approach? Uh, I believe it was Peter and Susan Barlow. Yep. Well, she was doomed really from a young age. <laughs> it's she? like she final destination burned. for Susan. It was. She didn't got burned to death by her dad. She nearly got run over by a bulldozer and eventually it was Billy... <laughs> Billy Mayhew. Mayhew got her in a car. Joyriding or something. 7th of February 1973. Who agrees to be Alf Robert Mayoress? Ah, oh, this wasn't when it was... I'm going to I'm gonna say Annie Walker. You're right. Yeah, not, not Betty. That was later. 8th of February 1993. Who gets knocked over by a car and who was driving it? 1993. That's got to be Lisa Duckworth. Yeah, who was driving the car? Um, a Do you ran- think she was driving it herself? <laughs> it was a random stranger. It was a no-name person, wasn't it? So I get a mark by saying well, it was none of the main cast. Mum probably thought it was... Who out. was it? John Hargreaves. That's a silly uh, question. Can I have a point for saying it was not one of the main no. cast? Oh, 
Okay, fine. 9th of February, 2013. Roy, Roy's dad dies. What's his name? Sinjin. Yes. St. John. St. John. 10th of February, 1988. Final question. Which lady reluctantly agrees to remarry her estranged husband? Which year was this? 1988. Agrees to remarry her. I don't know if they... I have to say I struggled with that final question. Who could that be? Who could it be? Nineteen eighty-eight. <gasps> no. I'm gonna I'm have gonna to say Gail. He's her husband. Though. Brian. You're right. Yes. Get in. Was that one? Well, that, <laughs> That's that the was end. one point. That was good. I, uh, yeah. Six well, out, you six dropped out of seven. one. You dropped one. I, had, I dropped the but silly question. That was a two-part question. Oh, oh, seven out of eight then. Eleventh of February. All right, birthday. Sorry. Yes. 11th of February, Brian Caprin, who played Richard Hillman. I'd love, I'd say would love to meet this guy. I know, one day, one day. I really hope that we can meet him one day. So I Carl- hope he has a lovely birthday party and stays at it. If <laughs> <laughs> anyone he leaves in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he does? I bet he does that. But if, you go out, if, if you're at his party and you go outside for some air, he'll follow you. <laughs> okay, um, Sarah Khan. Nice. Lovely Sarah Khan, who plays... When's her birthday? Alia, that- 11th. Tomorrow, George yeah. May Foote, who plays Katie Armstrong, played. 12th of February, Jenna McAlpine. Played, oh, lovely. Stape. And writer and producer John Finch. Such a sudden day. 13th of February, Peter Gunn. Gunny, happy birthday to you on for Monday. Plays Brian Packham. And 14th of March, Mark Eden, who played Alan Bradley. Then on the 16th of February, we've got Peter Adamson, who played Len Faircloth. And then 17th of February, Prunella G, who played Dorian Heavey and Ellie Haddington. Which is great. Who played Josie Clark? Happy birthday to Good our lovely birthdays. Corey Bates. Happy Bates. birthday, everybody! I'm, I'm feeling like we're being very, um, very uh, effervescent and lively. I don't know whether this is going to remain with the I've rest of the podcast. I've got a feeling but... in my waters that somewhere today, a Cory baby was born. He's going to be a legend on the street. Think? I really think so. So check back there, tenth of February, twenty twenty-three. You check back with us in twenty years' time. And uh, there'll be a Corrie legend who was born on this day. Wow, a bold prediction. There it is a bold you. prediction. So and it's um, possible that <laughs> it might not come. We'll have to wait for a while to find out. Put shall your money we, down. Shall we do down. our street talk, you crazy mare? <laughs> what, like Annie Walker? <laughs> yes. So yes, that was yes, a question. Yes. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so let's get into street talk then. Um, immediate reactions to this week. Um, I'm saying it was okay. Um, I mean, it obviously started off with a bang, literally, with the, um, with the with the bistro siege on Monday, which seems like so long ago now, thinking back on it. Moves fast on Corey. Yeah, and we, it, um, it, it didn't really mention much of that, that story in tonight's episode, and it, it was kind of a bit of a damp squib, really, wasn't it? But um, there were some other good things, but it was all... It was all just, you know, on the level this week, I think. But, there, you know, there are a few highlights that I'm sure that we can talk about. So um, we're going to be starting off with that Jacob's Dadder storyline. And uh, have we seen the last of uh, Damon on Coronation Street? I'm not really sure. Um, up next is all the factory stuff. And I'll kind of reckon my brains for a storyline title with that. And I've, uh, I've gone for the alliterative Sarah's Secret Sample Sewing Session. <laughs> oh, that's, that's getting a chuckle from Gemma. I'll have that one. Thank you. You did um, it so well as well. Tooth and Lies. Oh, nice. The mystery of Lawrence and the mur- the murderous dentist, or is he, is going to come next. Um, before we move on to Bernie Winner. 
Like Bernie Winter. Like Bernie Winter, exactly. Yeah, that's all right. Half a second to get that one. I'm glad uh, you got there, though. And then Roy's new toy, which is his mobile phone. You're a little bit obsessed with. Yeah? Huh? Yeah. Well... I don't think they're my best ones either. Gemma, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you do the bistro stuff first. So, um, Thanks. <laughs> the se- is it, can we call it a siege? Was It a, It makes it sound maybe a bit more exciting than it actually was. The rove, um, the... The hold-up. The bistro the, kerfuffle. The, the bistro kerfuffle, yeah. Bistro fuffing about. Yeah. Right. It, 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 was it, were they bistro ninjas? I no. think that they weren't sneaky enough. They were trying to be They were too loud ninjas. to be ninjas. Yeah. They were yeah. more like bistro samurai. <laughs> Is that a samurai well known for being louder than ninjas, are they? Well, yeah, on the scale of, <laughs> what you know, samurai to ninja. <laughs> okay, then. So, go on then, Gemma. Tell us all about the bistro kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> the great bistro kerfuffle of... <laughs> 2023. Going to go right. down in history. On Monday, tensions are, are high at Nick and Leanne's because she... This drugs drops going on and she's worried about it and uh, she snaps at Sam because he's been sent home early yesterday. Don't <laughs> yes, ask yes, why yeah, school No questions, but it was yesterday that he was sent home early. According In the, the bistro script. later, Leanne is, is feeling maudlin and Nick says, why don't you go to town or something? I'll, I'll handle the, the drugs thing. And she says, okay, Poor yeah. man. I'll, just let me know when it's done. So He's just like, Leanne, I don't need you here. You... You're just worrying and being a big... I don't know. You're, you're, you're getting me down. Yeah, you're a big uh, fun suck, to be honest. <laughs> I was looking forward to this drugs thing. <laughs> Just ruining it for me. So he goes... Buy yourself something pretty. He goes into the kitchen to have a worry. <laughs> and he calls Damon and says, look, the stuff's here. And Damon says, look, I'm going to do it tomorrow now. Sorry about that. And He's, he's too busy having a date with Dee Dee, isn't he? He's very blasé about this. Nick can't believe, believe it. But outside, there's a shady pair outside the bistro, getting ready. They're waiting in a car. It wasn't that shady, though, because it was, like, in the middle of the day. I think there were many things that contributed to the lack of tension in this bistro kerfuffle, and it just being in broad daylight uh, was just one of them. It's also, um, they could have just been listening to the end of a podcast or something. Well, yeah, sometimes you just sit in the car for a little bit, don't you, before you you get out. Yeah. That's what you do. Stay warm in the car instead of coming into the horrible cold house. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes maybe they were waiting for their windscreen to defog, uh, defog or something. Maybe. What, to get out? Okay, no more questions. Damon's in, having a date with Dee Dee and they're I talking... Know, I just said that. Sorry. Why? <laughs> no, sorry, carry on. They're having... Uh, they're talking about travelling and how they've been all over the place. Yeah, this seems to be one of Dee Dee's things, like dropping in... Accidentally, but is it that she She's says just like when she said, "What was it this week? Was it last week where she said dollars or cents or something?" Oh yeah, that really just, annoyed me. Sorry, I've been in LA for two that years. That really, that like you haven't been there that long, <laughs> love. No need to be like that about it. It's a, I can't. They sometimes do. I can't think of any other examples, but making characters drop in things. <laughs> You just imagine that her. they actually wouldn't do. You just imagine her uh, saying hello to Evelyn in the street. Oh, I love your kangaroo. Oh, it's a dog. Sorry, I've been in Australia <laughs> for so long. <laughs> you know me, I'm scatty. <laughs> anyway, um, Nick comes in and he wants a word with Damon. So they go out into the back and Nick... Oh, no, it's like Glenda on her cruise ships. That's the other one, yeah. isn't it? They, yeah, but they need funny. to have like They need to have a face-off of um, of anecdotes of About... exotic locales. That's true. Oh, DD that... versus oh, Glenda. That would actually be quite fun. Yeah. Don't you think? That could be. Um, yeah, face it off would between be the quite, newbies. It would be funny because Dee Dee wouldn't... I don't think she'd realise it's a competition. 
<laughs> and Glenda would be trying to outdo her all the time, wouldn't she? And yeah. then in the end, um, uh, yeah. End I of mean, scene. End of scene. You guys write it. It's not down to us to write these things. Everybody we wins. Critique it, don't we? So they go out the back, and Nick says, "You've got to get somebody to come and get this stuff out of the bistro now." And Damon's like, "No, I'm not going to do it." And then Sam turns up. Yeah, Nick. Nick's trying to be hard. Isn't he? He's, he's trying to be assertive about it. The thing it, is, if you, look, if you walk around with a sour face on all the time, you can't go any higher, can you? He's already at 10. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He can only go to 11. normal. He and does have a resting bitch face mm. most of the time, does Nick, doesn't he? Like, he can't squint any harder to show like, that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't actually see your face. His face is just going to suck itself into Black itself. Hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you know I'm mad. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I'm going to suck you into my event time continuum. <laughs> Across, it? No, across the event horizon of Nick's imploding face. Oh my face. god, sinister. Sam shows up at the bistro. Ryan says to Nick that Nick's not there, sorry to Sam, and go and have a seat. And two guys come in in balaclavas, ra- waving a gun around, asking for the drugs. Clearly just come from balaclava terrorists. Yep. <laughs> They're balaclava terrorists! <laughs> Demonetised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick and Leanne are walking down the street. Maybe we made that joke before, I don't know. Yeah, they're walking down the street later, aren't they? They're, Nick and Leanne, for some reason Nick's not there, and Leanne's not there. No, and they've, Sam's they've just in the out. bistro, and he secretly phones them to tell them what's going on. And while he's trying to explain, there's a gunshot. I hope the glasses are alright. I like them. <laughs> Maybe that's what shattered the glass in the Rovers. Because you, you yeah. noticed with your eagle eye this week, didn't you, that one of the panels in the booths in the Rovers has got a massive crack down. Well, I was, I was foolish enough to have put, tweeted, what happened to this panel in the Rovers? And of course I've got, it looks like it's broken. And I also got, it's not real. Oh yeah, Thank you did. Yeah. That's my favourite response to anything. Um... <laughs> But when we cut back to the bistro, every, everything's fine and nobody's got shot. They just wasted bullet for nothing. And they're very, very expensive in this country. There was a very exciting cliffhanger, Gemma, because literally anybody could have been killed. There. Imagine if, Ryan, imagine if Sam, Sam had just got Didi. shot on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> so He'd have been fine, though. That's the problem. Like, there's no drama with anyone getting Even injured if anymore. Gets shot. And they actually, you know, not wishing to be too... Um, pessimistic about about Cory. even if you get shot you still got a chance of appearing after you're dead yeah you know, that's very true flashback ghost video but i mean you, you can get shot and pretty easily survive just ask Ardy and shona don't ask Ardy though god should never shut up about it is there a weapon that is just unsurvivable is it the hole punch is that the deadliest yeah one? <laughs> it is a hole punch or a bin yeah so nick and leanne rush into the bistro and they get ushered to the booth um, the, these guys are still holding everyone hostage, aren't they? They, they are, yes. Everyone. And um, three people. And Nick and Leanne just come and join. Like, can we be in the hostage situation? Yes, take a seat. We're taking hostages. Love a bit of drama. Leanne's like, she, she's sucking in the opportunities to have a real moan later. She's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go. So I'm going to be so mad about this later, Nick. Just like, suck it in, suck it in. Yeah, well, my, my anger I'm is rising. by my fury. <laughs> Damon leaps on the back of one of the, um, what did you call them? Balaclava terrorists. Yeah, yeah Damon heroically uh, jumps out of the uh, the kitchen, doesn't he? He's come around the back entrance. Knocks him to the floor, roll around for a bit, run out through the kitchen. And then Damon comes back in. It's a bit like a Tom and Jerry cartoon where they rush off and there's a scrap. And then one of them <laughs> comes back completely unharmed. 
and Nick and Damon start talking in hushed tones about the drugs, but then the police come in and everyone has to freeze. Yeah, because when the guys came in, they were talking to Ryan, weren't they? And they were like... Give us the drugs. Yeah, that, and, and, and Damon later says that this is rivals, didn't he? Like, competition for his... Well, there was, there was, can I just say that last week there was a a scene where Damon was on the phone saying, no, you're not muffling in on my patch. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, so this is obviously those. I completely forgot that. That's probably quite relevant, actually. (laughs) Well, I was wondering at the time, like, is this a setup from Damon? Has he, you know, paid someone off to come in and raid the bistro to make Nick, and and then he would heroically save the day so that Nick would be reliant on him, but Make it look more dangerous than it already seemed. (laughs) Yeah. So... The police have turned up, as I said, and the police say to Nick, why would anybody come here for drugs? And Nick says, oh, it must be a mistake. You know what these sat-navs are like. (laughs) And they say, sir, that's a joke from 10 years ago. (laughs) Mary tells everyone at the pub about this, and so the news has been disseminated. Yeah, I mean, this this ties into what we were saying a little bit. It made me think of what we had in the cabin last week when we were saying that we don't have a gossip monger on the street at the moment to her to step into Norris's Mary shoes. Heard I suppose say, well, Mary is the closest to it, but she, oh, she's not, it's not the same, is it? Like the, the amount of glee that know, Norris derived from um, from spreading That's... malicious rumours and gossip and, oh, you didn't you know that? I know something you don't know. That's isn't pretty it? Mary's close. not quite... The... Yeah. She just doesn't have the um, all-seeing ability that Norris did because she wasn't sweeping it outside the corner shop. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Nor- Norris and, and, and Ina and, and others of that ilk used to nose, didn't they? Yeah. And, 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 and that's what you've got to be yeah. to be a, a top-class gossip. You've got to rove. Yeah, you've you got you to gotta put your nose out there. Yeah, you can't just expect people to wander underneath it and waft stuff up your nostrils. <laughs> so, the cops and the dog investigate the kitchen and for once there's nothing in there. Dodgy. Outside, Damon tells Nick that he's managed to get the drugs out and he's been having problems with his competition and that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, he takes the drugs out of his boot and gives them to Nick and says, look, hold on to these for a few hours and then once once that's sorted out, I'm out of your hair for good. So Nick rushes back to the flat, but Damon is in the pub later and he's he's asking Glenda if the Arndale's open till late tonight and she says yes so he goes there. Yeah I wrote that down in the notes but I, I'm now well, thinking I think that no, was. He, no he goes and buys DJ decks for Sam there. Oh yes 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 I see it. All, so, all of these things I'm suddenly realising. Back at the flat. I pay attention honestly. Nick tells Leanne that he's got the drugs and he's going to hide them. Damon comes round with these DJ decks to Sam and Nick and Leanne won't they're like, no, you can't give them to him. You're trying to buy his affections. And he's like, well, whatever, see you later. And leaves them there. <laughs> I love how he's always just like, they, they try, don't they, occasionally? It is really funny how... Like, no. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, you're not in charge of me, so... <laughs> Wednesday, you see Toya for the first time in a while. Yeah, yeah, where's she been up to? Toya's... Still got a job yet, eh, Toya? <sighs> she's been hiding in her bedroom, hoping nobody brings up the fact that she's still unemployed. <laughs> Toya sympathises with Leanne, who's reeling after this ordeal that she's had on Monday. And Sam's also having a bit of a hard time. His mum was shocked. She was, yeah. Well, every, was everybody's having, like, PTSD from someone they've seen being shot. Like, we had Ryan as well, the same episode, I didn't know. we? Oh, my mum was shot at her wedding. Oh, my mum was... stabbed? Hmm? She was stabbed? No, no, no. Michelle was shot by feeling, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, she was stabbed. And then he Robert was, was then, then Robert was shot outside yeah. the pub the next... Like... 
everybody, as soon as there's a gun goes off, should just like start wailing and having flashbacks. <laughs> Good job Shona's not here. I know. So, uh, Leanne tells Nick he needs to tell Damon that he's worried that uh, Sam is never going to overcome his PTSD because it seems like Damon has a weak spot for Sam. For some reason. Never really goes anywhere, does it? I don't... Uh, no. I was, I was kind of, like, waiting for some weird twist or revelation where we find out that actually Damon is Sam's real dad. Well, I suppose where it went is that, that... That doesn't make any sense. They, they had been building up a nice little bondy kind of relationship and then it makes it extra hard for Sam when he discovers the truth about who Damon is. Yeah. Because he'd, yeah, he'd got to know and like this guy, but it turns out, yeah, he's a... He's a Gaskell. Yeah, Ish. so Sam talks to Leanne and Adam at the bistro and he's he's doing this thing that Sam likes to do at the moment where he goes, why are people bad? <laughs> why do bad? Why do good people do bad things and bad people do good things? And Adam says, I don't really know, but the main thing is you got to catch them and stop them from doing bad things. Don't worry about it. And get a good lawyer. Why Here's they my card. did it afterwards. It's basically like, it's not my job. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm glad they do because it make, gives me a, <laughs> gives me a job. Yeah. So Craig, ta- Craig comes round as the as police police officer Craigie to the bistro to follow up the investigations on the Balaclava terrorists, and he talks to uh, Leanne and he talks to Nick and and Ryan and say, right, you got to come and help us with our investigations. And um, he, he, when he tries to speak to Nick, Leanne tries to block him. So he's always not here at the moment. And when Craig leaves, Leanne's like, um, you need to get rid of the drugs at the flat now because the police are here and they're asking questions. So Damon calls Nick and Nick says, come and get these drugs. And then Damon says, no, I'm not going to. You drop them off somewhere. And Nick says, no, I'm not going to. You come and get them yourself. Then we have this really nice scene with Ryan. And I this thought was this was a lovely scene. Interesting. If you listen to our bonus episode, which was released on Wednesday, the same day, you will have heard the, most of Ryan's backstory about what he's been up to. And uh, it's like he listened to it himself because he was crying about how he's made nothing of his life. <laughs> so he's having a bit of a breakdown. I'm 31 and I've still never had a main story of my own. Just to point out, in the podcast bonus episode, I'd say that Ryan is 34. Yeah. That's Ryan Prescott, not Ryan Connor. Ryan Connor, Connor the character, is 31. Mm. Okay, so um, he's, he's saying to Leanne, he, it's him and Leanne having a sit-down talk where he blubs about how hard his... it was it was really sweet wasn't yeah, it yeah i like i thought it was great it was nice it was touching it was nice to see a character nice to see a guy opening up and, mm. and having a cry and being in touch with his emotions and everything and and realizing like probably lots of people do like i'm x years old now what have i done with my life oh man i mean we can't all have there is nothing excellent podcast can we no, there's nothing more depressing than somebody the, younger than you here. telling somebody that they've done nothing with their life. I lives know, a 31-year-old. Thinking, thinking to yourself, we're on a kind of a level here and I've got 10 years on you. <laughs> Shut up. So he's saying, I'm 31, I used to have all these plans, I'm a waste of space, I haven't done anything. And Leanne says, oh, but everyone likes you. And Ryan says, but Alia doesn't. Hmm. And Leanne says, look, you're 31, you've got loads of time to make something in your life. You'll be fine. And so Ryan kind of, I think he kind of 
Okay, but I'm I'm interested to see whether this is going to spur Ryan on maybe next week to ask Alia out or maybe go to yeah Ibiza and be a DJ or whatever he wants to do with himself. Well, I, I'm hoping it's not um, leading to his exit storyline because the, the way it was, you know, the, the way it was all framed and and the, the, the script and everything made it seem like yeah he could now be having a bit of a a hard serious think about his prospects and whatever and decide that he's going to up and leave and. I don't want that to happen for two reasons. One, because I really like Ryan, and two, because we should have waited a few weeks longer to redo his character profile because it's going to be three sentences on the end. And then he went to Ibiza at the end. So yeah, I hope we get to see him around. But or maybe it is just the start of an actual Ryan story. Damon shows up at the flat to see Nick, and Nick's just been wiping his fingerprints off the case. And Damon takes it, and um, he spots the decks that they haven't set up for Sam yet so he's annoyed about that and he says look I haven't found anywhere else to go so I'm staying at the bistro for a bit longer yeah he needs a new drugs den doesn't he a new base of operations and he says send me a picture of Sam using the decks please gets into the car he speaks to Dee on the phone and then the cops turn up yeah he's just put the he's just put the case of drugs in yeah, the boot of the car of, yeah Craig's like um, stop, it's the police. You're being arrested for naughtiness. And it's obvious that, that Nick's crossed him up. And if it wasn't obvious to the viewers, it's obvious to Damon because Nick's standing on the balcony above him looking down, gawping at him. And, and Leanne's standing on the other side of the road gawping at him. <laughs> Nick was like looking looking down like Batman on, on top yeah, of a like, Gotham Town Hall. He just needed a flapping black coat. Nice try, drugs lord. Vigilante uh, Tilsley there. So... What? Leanne, Leanne's dropping up. Well, she's right here. She drops up to Nick and says, what the hell have you done? You're playing a dangerous game here. Damon knows it was you and we're just going to get in trouble. He's going to he's gonna sing like a canary. He's going um, to he's gonna say our names to the police. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to say that we knew about it all along, implicate us. And he's also, you don't want to be on the wrong side of these guys. I'm telling you, I've been involved in drugs, people. Like, this is the third time now. If not more than that. <laughs> and he's uh, Nick's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Um, Damon's the only one whose fingerprints were on the case because I wiped them off. It's like, oh, Nick, is that what you, is that all you think that it go, they go on these days? The thing is, I'm pretty sure that we saw Damon having a bit of a wipe of the briefcase handles as well before he put them in. But, yeah, but it's in his car. Well, yeah, exactly. So I, I wondered whether that would do, mean anything. Because he could play... Because didn't he hide it underneath the spare wheel or something? I don't know how he easily it'd be to be able to say I had no idea that that was there and my footprints aren't on them but I suppose you know you're going to profile someone if, if they're a hay but look we're not talking about that I don't okay <laughs> well no because we could go down the whole thing about his, oh his lawyer could get you know oh he didn't blah 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 we'll find out if he gets out away with this he may well do we'll talk to him about it at the end yeah okay so um, Leanne gets the bleach out and she's trying to spray everything down um, then Ryan, I don't know where this is. I think it's the bistro. Ryan apologizes to Leanne for his breakdown and says, thank you for forgiving me about all the stuff that I've done. Cause you know, the time I robbed the bistro. Yeah. I like the way he's all like so sad and, and traumatized about the bistro, but he was robbing it himself. So <laughs> what's his problem? Craig comes in as officer Craigie says, I need to talk to you and Nick about uh, you, Leanne and Nick about something Damon said in the interview. And Ryan's like, what the hell? 
Damon's involved in this. I thought I knew him. I thought he was a brilliant DJ and uh, a cool guy, but he now he's, well, I know he's a drug dealer. No, well, he knew that he was a drug dealer before, didn't he? Because he'd been doing a bit of investigating for Nick, but I think he, he thought he was fairly much on the level with them um, you know, as, a, as believe, a business partner. I can't believe Ryan's like, oh, what? He organised, he, he's involved in a raid at the B Street, even though he works here. What kind of a dog would do that? <laughs> <laughs> so. Craig, Didn't even ask to borrow my ninja costume. Craig takes Nick and Leanne into the back room and says, got something to tell you, sit down. Damon is Harvey's half-brother. And Nick and Leanne are like, oh yeah, we're supposed to not know that. <gasps> what? <laughs> he says, I need you to come down to the station and tell me everything you know about your relationship with him. And Leanne's like, no, no, we can't. We don't know anything. And Nick says, no, of course we will. We'll, we'll do whatever you need. Craig leaves, Leanne's panicking, and Nick says, don't worry, just say you don't know anything. So, they go back to their flat after they've been to the police station, and Leanne's like, oh my god, I can't remember what I said now. That's what I'm like after every podcast. Oh god, what did I say? (laughs) (laughs) Sam asks them why they were at the police station, and they say they were just helping them out with the inquiries. But then, Nick has to break the news to Sam that Damon was lying and he was dealing drugs and uh, Sam's gutted about this and Nick says it was Damon's fault that the siege happened and then out comes Toya and she says well you know the main thing is that Nick and Leanne didn't know Sam because if they had known they wouldn't have put you in danger would they they wouldn't have <laughs> let Damon work at the bistro to be, to be fair they didn't realise that Sam was there because Sam came into the bistro I think after school just to, to see Nick and Ryan's like oh you might as well wait here we'll be back soon I think she's but, saying more like they wouldn't ever hire a drug dealer to work at the bistro yeah yeah I think so yeah and, and they're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam's gutted but then he decides he wants to speak to Damon to find out the truth about why he's a bad man. And I have to say, the shtick of Sam, like, being confused about why bad people are bad and good people are good is getting on my nerves now. Is it? Is this what kids are like? I thought kids were just like, bad people are bad. Oh, they're all different. How old is and they're he? all special. Um, he is uh, 12, I'm going to say. I suppose that is quite old. That's quite old. I just, you know, I think younger children are quite happy with the idea that there are baddies and goodies, aren't they? I don't think that you can compare... Sam no. to normal children He's in unique. any way really he is very unique but you know he keeps going oh well there must be a reason well I know I like that they did this because that was such a huge thing as part of this Harvey storyline if he yeah. didn't if it didn't even cross his mind during this then you, you might end up thinking well why not well so I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I found maybe, it. Maybe he's got a future in like psychoanalysis or something like that. Well, if it's going somewhere, I, I but anyway, I could train him up to be a counselor. What, so he can grill people? Like, why are you horrible? <laughs> yeah. so, so Sam's saying, why was he being... Why was he doing these drugs? Was somebody threatening him? There must be a reason. And Nick's getting worked up, like I am. Says, no, Damon was doing drugs. He was behind the raid. And you know why? He's Harvey's brother. And Sam's like, oh, no. And he pushes the decks over. <laughs> Revenge. So Nick coerces, uh, coaxes Sam out of his out of his bedroom later. And, and uh, he asks them... Did you know that Sam that Damon was Harvey's brother? And they're like, you know, 
who knows what do you know you know it's one of these things well it's Leanne first isn't it she's the one that pipes up and says look we, we did know I, I've only known for a few days and then yeah. he starts to say alright Nick or dad or whatever did, have you, did you know did you only know He's for like, a few days um... and Nick's like I can't continue this lie anymore because god this guy this this kid he's gonna find he's an out the truth about things so I might as well fess up now otherwise it's just gonna be worse later maybe this should be a new technique that police use just have an inquisitive 12 year old boy sitting in on every single interview can you imagine that uh, yeah you've got DS McKinnon or Swain or someone at the police station and it's like guys tell you what tell you what gov we're not getting anything out of this um, suspect bring in Sam we need good cop, bad cop, and kid cop. If I was a, if I were, uh, this sounds like a dog's name as well, doesn't it? it could be. So if yeah. I, well, our I would, dog was called Sam and I was ill. Yeah, there we go. So if I, if I was being investigated by the police and they said bring in Sam, I thought they're going to oh, bring no. in some snarling Rottweiler or something yeah. to come in. It's no, it's just, just a little kid. It's what it's, you know how kids are always like, why? But why? Yeah. But why? But why? <laughs> so, um, Sam, Sam's mad, obviously. Oh yeah, and uh, he. And and when he finds out that Nick knew for quite a while that Damon and Harvey were brothers, but he didn't tell Sam because he didn't want to hurt him. Sam's like, get rid of these decks, get rid of these headphones, and I don't want you here either. I think we'd be safer without you. So this kid, somehow, they all do agree together that Sam's right and that Nick should move out. Yeah, well, the, the end of the episode is Leanne going, yeah... Yeah, get out. Me and Sam are going to live here by ourselves. Oh, and Toya's here as well, I guess. She, she knows where the brains are here. She, she's siding she's with, like, the, this kid's uh, gonna be a with the dominant uh, one in the house. He's going to make me a fortune. Sam is the alpha male yeah. of their flat. If I was Nick, I'd be like, no. It's my house, I pay the rent. <laughs> I know. But Nick does kind of know that he has well, he, done something he wrong. He's been feeling a bit guilty about it for months, hasn't he? Between it? his legs. I don't know where he's staying. I don't think that's ever cleared um, up. I can't remember whether they said or not. I mean, there's Grasmere no Drive cares, and there's there's number eight, isn't there? So on Friday, uh, Leanne tells Nick that she's redone the rotor so she and Nick don't have to work together. What a massive sulker. Why has she just decided that it's all Nick's fault? Well, it she kind was of in is. on it like a day ago. <coughs> she, yeah, she was in on it. But only... Now she's like, yeah, Nick, now Sam says it's all your fault, Nick. By the time Leanne got into it, it they were in so deep anything, and there yeah. wasn't very much they could do. It is his fault, but I just don't like it. I just find it really... You just like to be, find a way to blame Leanne for everything, She's don't so you? You can't help it. She's about it, wasn't she? She's like, yeah, get out. I've redone the rotor so I don't have to look at your ugly face. <laughs> So Dee Dee comes in and she's like, oh, can I work here? No, get your own office. You have an office. Go and work there. I know. So she She wants a quiet corner because Sarah and Adam are just slobbering over each other on the desk probably over at the... Wow, I thought that they didn't want to have a kid now. Anyway, she says, oh, have you seen Damon? And the answer's, no, he's a drug dealer. (laughs) He's he's in Weatherfield Prison or wherever. And Dee Dee's like, oh... Oh dear, I'm such a bad judge of character. It's just one of my quirks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was always like that. When I was in in LA, and uh, also there was a time in Thailand when I was hanging out with a drug dealer. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, she didn't do that. On the way back it's from school... Jason Grimshaw or something. <laughs> <laughs> On the way twist. back from school, Hope's trying to get Sam to tell her about the siege, and she's really jealous about it. And she's like, well, you know, maybe I'm just used to... Uh, to all the violence because my, my dad was a famous serial killer I love how Hope was jealous of uh, somebody else being the centre of attention yes, she for was. a while yeah so she says um, get used to it get used to being uh, let down by your dad he'll come grovelling back with a present before before long and it's not 
she's not wrong because Nick comes to the flat to speak to Max, Sam, sorry, while he's having his mushrooms on toast. Oh, what was no. that? What child has got mushrooms on toast as their favourite food? I know. Well, uh, I bet Roy Cropper's favourite food was mushrooms on toast oh when God. he was a boy. I have this really horrible memory of these can these canned mushrooms you used to get. Do you, do you ever have toast toppers? I know. I know what you mean. Oh, I used to have them, and they were foul. And I'm sure they were the 80s, a, aren't they? There was a mushroom flavoured one. I see. I, I, I've said probably on the podcast before because I've said everything about my whole life in the past ten and a half years in the podcast. But I do not like mushrooms. They're like the the, the, the texture, the flavour. I'm always trying to get you to like everything. them. Thing about I don't mind a raw mushroom. I know it's weird, but yeah, stick it in some water for a while. Whatever you do with mushrooms, yeah, you boil them. Serve yeah. it. <laughs> do you, I don't know. Do you boil mushrooms? Oh no! I oh, got no idea. You Sorry. Would never boil a I, I would never boil a mushroom. No. What well, do you, you put do? it in a stew or you fry it. Oh, I just show nice. myself up there nice again. Toast, but but not for a twelve-year-old boy. Come on, okay. have you got that and pizza? Well, isn't isn't pizza just fancy mushrooms on toast? I suppose it could be, yes. <laughs> if you right. choose the wrong pizza. <laughs> Nick's come in and he's brought Sam a new telescope lens. But Sam doesn't want it, so Nick slopes off and Leanne's like... <sighs> Leanne kind of gives a look as if to say, this is a bit weird, isn't it, that I've kicked this guy out of his, out of his own home. Maybe, maybe I've um, on overreacted. The of, on the whim of a boy. Yeah, a small child. With no He's discussion just so whatsoever. so damn convincing and cute. Yeah. So, later on, Dee Dee's talking about her terrible taste in men with Nick. And that's the end of the... Yes. I mean, I, I didn't, that, that scene seems um, like nothing much was happening there. But it was also like, so, are, are Nick and Dee Dee going to be um, at it before long? Nick and Nick and Dee Dee have had Dee Dee and Nick Nick? No. You think? I... Well, because Dee Dee spends the episode just going on about, um, you know, being single again, doesn't she? Calm down, girl. You've only just got in the show. It wouldn't surprise me. And Nick has definitely been unfaithful before. So. I, it's, I, I would hope that Dee Dee would have... Uh, would have... Um, More restraint. Yeah. Maybe just to pick on a guy who's not... Got a kid. I, I don't a know. Like she a want a, kid, a free kid? <laughs> um... Well, yeah, well, I was oh, man, she likes her. I, I, no, I, just, I can just see them getting a, a bit closer. Maybe not like, you know, going the full, going the whole distance or anything, but I can imagine them sidling up to each other and, and, and Dee Dee going in for a kiss. And then just at that moment, Leanne yeah, walks in saying, in. Nick, I've just come to forget. Oh, what, what? is this? Oh, Didn't my gosh. take you long, did it? Yeah, um, or, or Sam going, Daddy, what are you doing with that lady, with that nice lady? Um, so, so that's the end of that. That is the end of that. And is that the end of Damon? Because now he's been arrested. Well, I mean, Nick said on Wednesday's episode, or oh, he's gone to prison for, he's going to prison for a long time. It's it's very odd the the quick departures that we've had in this story. Like Jacob left Weatherfield out of nowhere. Now we've got Damon. I I didn't have any idea at the beginning of the week that we'd be saying goodbye to him. Can I just but say if it's it feels end- like it's not end for him. If it's the end of Damon, why did we get rid of Jake? Why doesn't Jacob come back? Yeah, I don't know. Because Jacob went because Damon said, "You better get out of here because you've ruined these drugs, and if I don't get you, a so and so will." Well, yeah, well, I would. Which I, I would, thought was a, I thought was a lie. Well, no, I would just think that maybe if J- Jacob needs to get away from Weatherfield because the people whose drugs he flushed down the cars here are going to get him. That's what and I just said. Yeah, yeah. So, but but so if but he comes was that to, a bluff? I don't know. I don't know. 
know um, you don't know. But anyway, Jacob's not coming back, is he? I, I assume, unless that's a massive bluff. No, Jacob's but not coming back. I, do, I, I don't think that the... I can't remember what his name is. The guy who plays Damon. I don't know whether he's on social media or anything. Or, or there to say, well, that's it. That's how I'm done playing Damon. And, and usually they do something like that, don't they? Or Coronation Street will say, put a oh, little video the, yeah. saying, Thanks for Here is, here's Mr. So-and-so saying that they really enjoyed playing Jacob's But dadder. it was weird because he set up quite a lot of storylines with, with women dating, you know, wanting, going after, you know... Yeah. Danny and Dee Dee and I, I mean there's but presumably there's going to be a trial set up it's, it's the same with Griff well, like it, it doesn't feel like Griff's gone because there's still Max's trial on the horizon and, and maybe we'll we'll get to see Jacob being uh, sent down and and somehow Nick and Leanne will get away with it even though especially Nick was very much um, complicit in, in the whole thing so I it's possible that what you said about the fingerprints on the um, on the drugs not being his could come into his mm. getting out. Maybe next week, even. but I'm I wouldn't be particularly sad if that was the last that we saw I of Damon. Liked him. He was fine as a There's... character. I think it was just the the nature of the story was not gripping for me. I like having a proper antagonist on the street, and even though. Even though Stephen is a villain, I wouldn't say he's a proper antagonist. Well, no, he's I'm not. I'm thinking of somebody like Owen. Hmm. You know, somebody who's just grumpy and everyone hates them. <laughs> or like, or like, just you know, somebody who's dangerous. Who, who, if you cross them, you'll get in trouble. There used to be lots of characters like that who were menacing, and I don't think there is anybody on the street like that now. I think, and the... he would have filled that role. Yeah, but I think that the fact that he is a drugs dealer means that he's only going to have a certain shelf life anyway. Yeah, but he's he can not going to be on a straight and narrow, just like they all do. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think he his time he on Coronation Street was limited. But I've, yeah. I, as as Jacobs um, quickly come to an end, tale has told us no, no idea how long that's going to be. Um, but I, I just think that the story's just been not my cup of tea, and and the siege on Monday was the the you know the epitome of this this isn't this isn't hitting the right notes. I, I saw universal um, sort of disappointment with Monday's episode online when I was when I was reading on about no, it. There was no sense of danger. There, there wasn't. It was it was daytime. Nobody, Ryan and Sam weren't going to get shot. I mean, I suppose, I suppose Ryan could have been. Ryan could because have been he is killed. fairly disposable. Unfortunately, I'm sad but to say. But they're not getting rid but of. I, no, there's no such thing as a disposable character anymore. What do you mean? No, they're not getting rid of anybody. The oh. last person that was was a significant. Was it Imran? What the last exit? Well, the no, last... It was Kelly was a. No, the death. Um. Well, Leo, Gemma, don't forget. He's, he was proper <laughs> uh, disposable, oh. wasn't he? Um, yeah, no, no, I, I just... It, it didn't feel dangerous. And that there's there's only so many times that someone can get their, their gun out and wiggle it around in front of everybody mm. that I'm going to feel threatened. Well, I think you should have... A don't don't get it out if you can't play with it, as, um, as, as, as what's-his-face Lawrence said to Sean today. It used to be that when someone brandished a gun on Coronation Street, it was like, oh my, have you seen what he's got? He's got a gun there. But now it's just like, oh, 
he's got a gun, it's another one of these. And even the, the fact that, that you remember the, the scene in, on, on Monday's episode after the gunshot goes off and people are walking outside the Rovers and, there's, and they, all, they all stop for a, a half a second when the gun goes off. They go, what, was that, was that a gun? Oh, well, never was mind. Was that another gun? It was, I think they were like, oh no, of course it, of course it wasn't, but they, they just, it's all like, we, we hear guns going off all the time, we're not worried about it, is, is how it felt to me. It, it, was, yeah. it was over too quickly, they didn't have the building sense of tension, they just came in saying, give me the, give me the drugs, it's, yeah, utter flub unfortunately, and, and Coronation Street needs to be careful about over-relying on the shock value kind of scenes, because... They're only shocking if they come rarely. <laughs> well, they're only shocking if they have consequence. Yeah. And and they're doing it frequently and nothing bad. You know, we've had a bomb, we've had a stabbing, and now we've had a shooting. In, in, the, in the, you know... And a, and, a, and a very dangerous hole punching. Well, we, yeah, that's the thing. Somebody was blown up. Somebody was um, shot at. Somebody was stabbed. And the only person who died was hit with a hole punch. <laughs> Yeah, it makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think. It's like one of those, you know, it's like that thing. It's like, oh, did you know that ladders kill 20 people a year? And you're like, oh, my God. No, I didn't. I'm going to keep my eye on it now. The hole punch is mightier than the bomb. How many people do you think get killed by a hole punch in a year? One. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but, but the aftermath I found on Wednesday's episode was better. I enjoyed Ryan's reaction to it. I, I, it was nice to give him a little bit of a bit of a character moment, a bit of a, um, yeah, a bit of bear in his soul. I thought that, that Sam's reaction to finding out that Nick knew that Harvey and, and Damon were brothers was, was very much in character and, and kind of heartbreaking. Um, and, and then it, then it just kind of dribbled out today. So, mm. Mm, is what I say. Although, I, 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 you know, I, I say that Sam was great, but I, I do think that Nick and Leanne maybe need to start standing up to him a little bit. I think he's um, a little bit on the precocious side. He's he's ruling the roost a bit too much there, I think. He's a bit, he's saying speaking to his dad like that. It, Nick, I know Nick says, oh, Sam, you're, um, you know, Sam, your mum's been shot and we need to go softly, softly around you. But, you know... Show a bit of respect for your elders, boy. Yeah. You you don't get to decide who lives in this house. No, get no. You yeah. Your name's not on the mortgage. <laughs> I've been looking up about whether there's any information about hole punches, and I think that they've been suppressing this information about fatalities. What, hole punch fatalities. Yeah, right. I can't find any information about that, but I can tell you. Mm. It's shocking number of people get killed by pencils. Really? How many people do you think... Well, I've seen that scene from The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you think, I guess this is in America, mm. get killed? This is from Shark Insider. No, Sharksider.com to prove that sharks aren't as dangerous as everybody thinks they right. are. How many people do you think... Per annum. ...are injured by a pencil? Injured? Oh, Tens of thousands, probably. I don't know which country this is, but about 6,000 people go oh. to hospital. To hospital? Yeah, okay, yeah. And of, of those, how many people do you think die? 500. 100. 100 pencil-related deaths per year. And on is average... That, is that the most deadly piece of office equipment, do you think? I don't know. But on average, 100 people a year die from chewing on a pen. How many people get um, fed into the paper shredder? 
You can't really do that. <laughs> you can if you're determined. What kind of stationary murder would you be? I don't know, but I did go to hospital once for sucking on a pen. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, that was... I haven't really and that was, when I was in, that was when I was about 13, 14. I should have known better, really. You should, should really by that age. Sam wouldn't do that, Gemma. <laughs> Sam wouldn't try to kill himself with a piece of stationery. Um, yeah, no, I, I just thought I thought that Jude was, was excellent again this week. Jude Jordan, who plays Sam. And... Um, but but the story itself just didn't grab me, unfortunately. It's, it's okay. It was it was okay, but yeah. to, to have you know the the big siege, it should have been more than okay. I mean, look at the look at you know the fresh go siege yep. back in like when was it two thousand? I think that's how you do a siege with with drama, with tension, with consequences. And I know they weren't going for exactly the same thing, but equally. Why not go for well, that? Go, Why yeah, not make it, it as good as the Fresh Go Siege? If you're going to make it last, you know, two scenes and then it's over. And uh, Come on, you, you've got, you've got yeah. three hours a week to play with. You can afford to make something, spend a little bit more time on these big events rather no, than just make them throw away. No, they can't because, Michael, we didn't have time mm. for that. We've got to cover Sarah's secret sample sewing session. Nice, you did it as well. That's right, yeah. Okay, okay, so let's do that. Let's move on. We've got a precinct scene on Monday. Yes, we did, yes. We have, we have second precinct scene for Harry, which is, Adam and, and Sarah. Which is the second appearance of the play area rather than any of the shops. Yeah, they've not they've not gone around the outside, have they? They haven't ventured outwards from that. But they did have a shout out for the charity shop quite a few times with Evelyn and Roy this week. And yes. can I... I wanted to say, I hope to see the chinchilla cage turning up at the charity shop. Oh, yes. Because... Now that since Scylla's dead and uh, Hope's moved on, mm. they don't have any need for it, do they? No, not really. I think that would be. I think it would be a very good visual joke for the um, charity shop exterior to feature a very prominent piece of hilarious mm. uh, story detritus every now and then. Yeah, yeah that, that, I like the idea. Um, okay, so um, no, I'm doing this one. No, I'm doing this one. I just did the oh. last one. No, you yes, just you're did the, right. No, you did that. I know it's my turn. No, well, I'm doing it. Don't try and steal my storyline. So, Sarah gets a phone call from Michael at the precinct. They're at the precinct. Yes. So Adam has to, to take Harry to, to school. school. Oh my gosh, Dra- what heavy drama there is! And they're going to get a speed dial later. Stop saying the story. This is Michael's my story. Sarah He's his- shut up, you maddening woman. Getting me, getting me angry. Oh. You're gonna be in that roof box, Gemma. I tell you. Glug glug glug. <laughs> so Michael has got some lovely t-shirt designs, and he wants to send them off to retailers. He's so confident in the excellence of his t-shirts, and we got kind of little snippets of them, didn't we? Oh, and it, it did just kind of seem like any random t-shirt with writing on. Yeah, but that's my idea for our merch line. But that, yeah, I suppose so. But I, I don't know how you can, you know, break new ground in the idea of t-shirt design because it probably has all been done before hasn't it but as far as i can tell you just charge 200 pounds for it and then it becomes more so desirable you. yeah um anyway so he he wants to he's just going to start contacting all these retailers and see if anyone anyone bites and um basically they spent <laughs> what i just had this image of him phoning up going do you want to buy a t-shirt depends what's what's it like it's got writing on it I got stuff they're writing on already. Like, okay. <laughs> All right, thanks for your time. <laughs> <coughs> okay, so 
they have spent all afternoon sending their designs off to potential buyers and Sarah realises that she's an hour late for her dinner date with Adam. So she gets to speed dial, speed dial, I suppose. Adam's already finished his dinner and hers. um, and And he says, look, it's fine. I've got to go and pick up Harry now. You stay here, have your dinner, order yourself something. But your card's smart, lady, is he kind of implies. No, what? he leaves her his bank card so that she can buy herself. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then he marks a, a card for her saying he's in trouble. Yes, that's what I said. No, you didn't. I literally did say that. You didn't say the card bit. Oh, well, doesn't I matter. know that I listen. I, I'm going to admit that I did actually read the beginning bit because I know that. No, because I was thinking, oh, I wish I could drink my wine, but I can't because I'm talking. Well, you just drink your wine. Drink it. <laughs> Wednesday's episode, Michael and Sarah tell Stephen, we need some samples of our products. We some, somebody says they like our t-shirts, they've never seen such a thing as t-shirts with words on them before, <laughs> um, and rather than just rather than just raiding my wardrobe for m- any number of worded t-shirts that are hanging up in there and claiming really? of their own, we need to get these samples sewn up. How on earth are we going to do this? Right, but this, the, the design that you sent me had like daddy's Daddy's favourite girl on it, but this says United Colours of Benton. I don't. <laughs> no, that's just a, that's just an example of all the different letters <laughs> we could do the whole alphabet. Yeah, in any order you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sarah talks to Beth later. They they try and coerce her into doing some overtime at the factory tonight to run up these samples, and um, they haggle over wages. For Beth agrees. I think the last time that Beth was up late doing. Um, doing sewing at the factory that was when um so and so was when gary was sneaking about on the roof wasn't it do you remember uh, up late sewing rana's wedding dress yeah yeah so it's uh i'm surprised she didn't have her own little ptsd episode from that (laughs) so anyway she she uh sarah meanwhile is is speaking to adam Mm. and says oh look sorry i gotta work late tonight gotta do it gotta oversee the the t-shirt making um and so they when they do a bit of a covert operation to all get into the factory once Carla's gone. Adam just wants to talk to Sarah about having a baby. I can't remember what it was that put the idea in his head. Somebody talks to him about, I don't know, aren't babies lovely or something? And he's like, oh yeah, we were having that storyline this time last year when Lydia was around. Whatever happened to that? You listen to me complaining that they haven't talked about it. Well, there we go. So um, Very influential. I know. But anyway, so Sarah can't talk about that. Now she's got to go to work. But when he does um, find catch up with her later and, and puts the idea of a baby in her head, she's like, well, I can't, sorry, my work's too demanding at the moment. Um, no babies for now. And Adam's like, hang on a minute, this time last year <laughs> yeah. you were gagging for it. Do you remember that scene when yeah. you were lounging with your legs apart on the sofa? No, she didn't have her legs apart, it was up in the air. As good as. No. And then Stephen comes in wanting to talk to her about design, so she has to go off of there, and Adam's just like saying, excuse me, and I could have kids with anyone that I wanted. Nearly did. It's like, probably I have got some out there, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I probably honest. have loads already, so I don't even need you. Yeah. Um, Beth's working away later Michael's sticking his neb in and offering advice and she's just like leave me alone go away I'll order me a takeaway I wanted to take a screenshot but I wasn't fast enough it was the perfect example of capitalism Mm -hmm. it was Beth was on the um, was on her sewing machine working and then standing over her and watching but adding nothing whatsoever to any of it were Stephen Sarah and Michael just watching her doing it and being <laughs> getting in the way. Yeah. I think, you know, of the various skills that all of those characters claim to have, <laughs> Beth as is actually the one that's the most she can walk skilled. The walk. Yeah, they they all have different 
you know, domains, don't they? Yes. M- Michael with his um, innovation techniques. and sales techniques. Um, Stephen with his just general businessness and, and Sarah with... Persistence. I, I can't even say, but yeah, Sarah, Beth is actually a good sewer, a good machinist. And then, so she she just wants to get on with it. So Sarah and Stephen um, retire to the to the pub later and then they talk about Adam wanting kids and Sarah's Yeah, like, this is just, just Sarah and Stephen. Just not yeah. really into the idea, actually. And... You know, when Harry was born, I had psychosis. And Kat and Stephen's like, oh, really? That's really... Oh, no, sorry. This is... So she... No, she says, I had psychosis. And that's really hard. Just ask Carla, because she also had a mental health storyline. Everyone's having mental health storylines at the moment. And Stephen's like, hmm, that's really interesting. Hmm, I'll put that in the uh, in the revenge banks to, to pull out later. Um, and I thought that was kind of weird how, despite speaking about nothing else but having a baby for the first two, three months of 2022, Sarah's psychosis was never even brought up. No. She 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 had, she had went a bit nuts when Harry was born, didn't she? Because she thought that he was haunted by the spirit of his um, de- deceased father from underneath Gail's granny annex. Yeah, I mean, I just want to point out that there is actually a... Um a murder case going on at the moment in America with a woman who has said that she had psychosis, postpartum psychosis. So it's a bit of a touchy subject in the news at the moment. I don't watch the news. No, I know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that that he that he perked his ears up about... Well, he's he's kind of... Um, she's in his bad books and has been for a couple of weeks, well, hasn't she? After being a bit of a, a hardcore bitch boss. Um, Why did Carla ever ask him to join the company? She hates him. She, well, I, for one, for I don't one know whether scene, she had that much of a problem with him at the beginning. It's no. just, but as soon as she employs someone, she then she hates them. them. Yeah. yeah. He helped her once. And from that, she's tried to make a business relationship and then immediately hated every second of it. Yeah, she just takes every opportunity she can to belittle him and, and show him who's boss. So, um, yeah, he. I don't I don't know, you know, if he wants... Especially at the end of the week, it wasn't when he was glaring evilly at her at the end of tonight's <laughs> episode. So how's he going to... How's he going to use his knowledge that she had... A mental breakdown to first sign her or something. It's gonna be when he buys Haley's anorak from the charity shop. Oh maybe. Think yeah, maybe. he's gonna go around pretending to be Haley, you're yeah. right. Climbing yeah. up those steps at the red bank. And then when it he turns around it's run. Yeah. Um I, I mean I suppose that he was able to use Audrey's medical weakness against her. Maybe wasn't that he? is why they've hit the maybe maybe that is the solution to the weirdness of why Haley's anorak has gone missing. Maybe he's gonna get the anorak. But then did was it is it widely no. known that Carla was triggered by that? I don't think so. But wouldn't it be an interesting That would be trigger. That would be. I like mm-hmm. that. Um yeah so I, I Yeah that would. Um yeah so with Audrey he uh, he knew that she was on these antidepressants and and also had a bit of a drink problem. So he tried to drug her or whatever to make her look drunk. So is he going to do something to her to try and make Carla look like she's she's losing it again? Maybe I he'll swap Peter's broken iPad for Haley's anorak. Maybe. And then she'll be like, ah! maybe not. So on Friday's episode. Um, <laughs> Beth comes knocking at number three in the middle of the night and Michael's there 
um, fairly scantily clad. He's got he's got his dressing gown on, but there's an awful lot of chest showing there. I I, I think that was Disgusting. shocking for half past. No, it wasn't half past seven. Sorry, eight. I still haven't learned that Coronation Street doesn't start at half past seven. Well, it was in the morning. Well, it was he was he was in bed. I think. But because it was dark, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, she says the overlocker's broken, Gemma. Yeah. Um, what if they only got one? I don't know. But an overlocker, you you show overlocker me. is the so normal. You know when you have a stitches and they go in a straight line. That's that's normal stitches, right? That's how it, what a normal sewing machine does. Mm. Overlocker makes this complicated thing that keeps the hem down. If you if you if you're wearing clothes, if you're listening to this, you don't know what <laughs> you don't know what overlocking is if you turn your hem over you'll see very intricate stitching and that is just done by an overlocker well, there you, you go very important so it's broken best broken it well, it's and she, very important. she needs michael to come around and fix it's it not otherwise carla's gonna kill us i have to say it's not important for samples well they've got standards haven't they well yeah so um we had sarah going to see adam at work for a bit and saying yeah we can have a baby at some point but not now that was a bit of a birth of a scene to be honest um and then we cut to the factory where Stephen and michael are desperately trying to fix this overlocker izzy's kind of going oh what are you doing over there then and then carla comes in and um they're caught caught out but because i guess work hours have started they try and make out that beth's only just broken it then so it wasn't really that much drama carla says well if beth's broken the overlocker she can belly well do some overtime later on to make up for that lost time then and beth she's like propping her eyes open with matchsticks through today's episode because she was basically working all through the night poor girl um and once you get through it about 40 pounds or something carly uh, peter gave him so um we see a cut, a scene later, because the, the Peter's barter storyline came back into it with a bang this week, didn't it? And the last time we saw him, he had a cheese grater, I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, and, I think and you're right. I don't know how he's managed it, but he he's managed to... to get that up to an iPad with a, with a cracked screen well, at the moment. Well, a tablet. Sorry, yes, a tablet. I mean, that's a pretty good swap. I, I think we must have missed a few intermediate stages here. Have. Which is a shame, because uh, well, Carla says to him look, you better get your motorbike by next week, otherwise I'm going to be trading you up for a new model. And I really hoped that this this Peter Barter storyline, exactly, would go on for a whole year. But I wanted to see every single step of this. I wanted to be able to have a little video compilation at the end of the year of each item being swapped for this, for this, for this. And it feels like maybe it's just going to be over next week. All they've got is time. They have, I know. So um, anyway, Michael and Sarah go to the bistro where they meet Rufus, mm. this potential buyer. He's a he's, right, he's, a, he's, a right he's, dick. Yes, he is somewhat insufferable, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to speak about him? No. no, you can do. Why? Well, because because he, he's not the sort of person that you like. He's he, I, I don't think that he would um, appreciate your, your feminist stance on things. Well, he was incredibly sexist, wasn't he? And I was saying, I was just, I just said to you, I, it, it just demonstrates how socially acceptable even though everyone disagree well you're supposed to dislike him being misogynistic is far more acceptable in fiction than racism if he had said the equivalent to to michael what he said to sarah they would have stopped the meeting there Mm. wouldn't they it's just really sad it it, it was a bit and, and sarah didn't seem Bothered. No, no. she's just like, ha, 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 yeah, I am. And Michael didn't time. stand up for her either, which I thought was a bit no. annoying. But that's the thing is, that's not the point of the story. And that, and obviously, they're both equally as, as you know, they're both terrible. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they... they I'm not trying to say one's, they, but one's they did, worse than the other. They did the, the very best that they could in the script to make Rufus look like a, a proper Neanderthal, didn't he? A real kind of vile kind of guy. It's a very, but, it's an easy shorthand, isn't it, to to say this character's awful, to just have him come out and... Yeah, and be se- and be sexist. So that hasn't Carla got on my track? It's not a deal breaker for them. Well, no, you've got to overlook these things sometimes in business, haven't you? If you I'd be. You I would. This get the readies in. It's the first one. They the first person they've met. Are they really that desperate? I'd tell him to get lost. Well, I wouldn't they, be spoken to like if that if they believe in their products. Clearly, they I don't. I wouldn't be spoken to like that. I know. I, 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 I think that Sarah should have said something, but I guess. They, 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 they wanted just, the story they were to, being greedy. to keep going a, a good lick. It wasn't. It did, I didn't feel as though um, she felt particularly upset by it, though. No, no, I don't think so. But maybe she's maybe she's and, used to know, people treating yes, her as a like woman, this. You have to pick your battles. The same, the same as Michael would say, I guess. Mm. You know, when people are horrible to you about your skin color. Yeah. But it was, you know, what what was it? How different would the story have been if Rufus had, you know picked on Michael instead of Sarah and just it's just it would have been a completely different tone wouldn't it yeah it would it was kind of you're supposed to dislike him but it is almost comical how how evil he not evil but you know yeah it's like it, it's okay to to laugh at somebody you not doesn't mean that you're on his side but but yeah you're right it wouldn't work if he if he'd been it doesn't invite you it doesn't invite you to take Michael. a stance on it the same way that racism in coronation no. street does no. Uh, anyway, so he he thinks that these are he thinks that these these t shirts are the bee's knees, and um, <laughs> but and he says next up, I want to see the factory itself, please, because you know what what kind of magical wonderland must have um, produced this produced these, yeah these these, these, these amazing notice. garments, and um and so they have to to text Stephen and say it's Carla, and we need to bring this this guy around, and Stephen says no, she's gone out, she's gone to fix the over docker or whatever Locker. it's called over locker, so they kind of get up and say right. Right, let's go to the, the the factory right now. Very handily, it's just around the corner. Um, so Stephen has a gives Rufus a bit of a tour of the factory. When oh no, Carla shows up and she's like, "Is is that guy there? What's he doing?" And Stephen like says, "Oh, Rufus, come around this way," and then kind of ushers him out hurriedly. Carla is not impressed because she thinks that Stephen's been misrepresenting himself again, like he did a few weeks ago for making himself out to be the boss, which he kind of is. Um, over uh, over with Peter. If you if you're still keeping up with the uh, the exciting adventures of what's he going to trade his iPad for, he decides that he, that Tyrone would love the tablet for um one of his daughters, and he'd like a bag of tools in exchange for that. Now I don't know anything about DIY as you know, but I would say that a tablet is worth quite a lot more than tools. Maybe oh, I'm no, wrong. No, 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 no. I'm definitely wrong. Apparently. Tools were, we didn't find out what these tools were, but Tyrone says he doesn't use them very much or if at all. But, you know, you can get a second hand tablet for a couple of hundred quid. Tools, but, you know, would be worth, it depends on how many they are. But I suppose tools are very I was just expensive. thinking, what would I rather have? Yeah, that's I'd rather have a wrong. tablet than tools, even if it had a broken screen and didn't switch on. <laughs> so like, oh, look at this, I've got one all to myself. Anyway, um, Tyrone's saying, "Oh yeah, well we've got a laptop," and then they say, "Ah, oh, but now your your daughters won't have to fight over it." Yeah, I say, "Well done for them for having a laptop," because kids these days don't have a clue how computers work. They're all having tablets. Yeah, it's give them happen. laptops. They have got no computing skills whatsoever these days. Children, they they can't even turn a computer on. Some of them. 
Um, so anyway, that's just my, my little thing. It's, it is funny though. And, and computer literacy is important. Computer literacy is I bet so you, down. I bet you lots of parents don't even realise how... No, I, 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 well, I don't know. I don't know whether they children. do or I don't know whether but, they but think it's not never... important, but... Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, when these when kids of of Hope and Ruby's age, when they grow up to be in the workplace, will, will it be important it? to be able to use a Windows PC or a Mac or anything? Possibly not. And maybe that's just me being fuddy duddy and everything. But when when I became a teacher, generally children were pretty proficient at a computer, and you know some teachers still weren't, but but generally children were very very good. And and these days a lot really really do not have a clue about how to use a computer for anything and it's, it's bizarre and, and, and ipads are great because they're very user-friendly and everything and they do a lot of the hard work for you but there's an awful lot that you can do with a computer that you can't do with a with a tablet device yeah that is just lost to children you know even even things like um uh file Sorry, I'm completely going off track here yeah, this is just are. my little thing right. file structure and saving things in and in, folders in, in and windows yeah exactly and you don't need to do that on a tablet particularly no. do you it's just uh, anyway um <laughs> so i say well done to um hope is it for using a laptop yeah you can you're, you're a dying breed girl anyway um i completely lost with the train of thought now so back in the bistro then yeah so carla has has been t- uh, is is no, Stephen tells Rufus that Carla is his PA, actually. And, yeah, maybe she sometimes gets ideas about her station. And um, Rufus buys this story. And also, speaking of buying, he's quite interested in having the exclusive contract with their T-shirts with words on. Because uh, he thinks he's got yeah. a bit of a gold mine here that maybe nobody else has thought of before. And, uh, yeah, they're great stuff. And uh, you can, He's like, I don't know if you thought of this, but you could have all different words. Yeah, so um, so with, with the deal done, contract's going to be coming later on in the day. Um, did they ever get the contract in the no. end? No, they didn't, did they? He can work out how to use a laptop. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, Rufus heads to, to, uh, to streetcars to go and get a taxi. And uh, he, he's not just um, misogynistic to Sarah, he's also very condescending towards yeah. Peter, the the mere taxi driver, isn't he? And telling and kind of going on about his microdosing, hmm? microdosing, and showing yeah. his, him his his um watch is and saying this is worth more than you'll ever earn in your whole life. Yeah, and and and, and it's uh, like, oh, it's a good job I don't. He's also it, telling him how lovely LSD is apparently. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Stephen, Michael, and Sarah are in the bistro, kind of toasting their future. Although Michael's a little bit apprehensive about it because yeah, he's saying the, no, the, the contract still hasn't yeah. come through yet. So let's like not me. count all our let's chickens. Let's not be yeah, too, that's hasty. Not too hasty. So, but Stephen says, oh, you know, I can't wait to tell Carla where to stick her job. So. He, and they talk about then they talk about wanting to get new premises and everything. Like Stephen just thinks that he's really landed on his feet by these two. This guy, these two guys, these or oh, Sarans and Michael, who have got they, they don't they don't know what they're doing, do Rufus they? Bless is them. And Stephen's like, thank goodness I can join this up and coming uh, enterprise. Rufus has obviously got more money than sense, hasn't he? If he's if he's given these t- these th- three mm. so much money that they. Not only to supply the these items, but to get premises and I know and to, to pay their wages. That's in, insane. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so they're yeah they're 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 there clinking their glasses. Beth, meanwhile, is asleep on the job later after having a hard night's um, sewing the previous evening. And Carla wakes her up, gives her a very stern warning, and says, 
Oh, and then when Kirk says, oh, don't, don't be mean to her, she was working late last night, Carla's <laughs> like, oh, oh, she was, was she? What's going on there then? And Beth says, no, no, he's, get, he's getting confused. He doesn't he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm just not sleeping well. And Carla doesn't believe her at all. Oh, yeah, Beth also says, maybe I've got long COVID, didn't she? Oh. And Izzy, when she said that, was like, uh, excuse me. Izzy was fantastic. We do not make COVID jokes here. I was stuck in my house for two years, actually. She gave her a very quizzically comedic, warning like no 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 we don't joke about that kind of thing that was really i really enjoyed that yeah it is nice having izzy back Back. in the in the factory again she's not had loads to do particularly has she she just you know has the odd line here and there but um yeah it does feel like a little bit more like the old days days again yeah but carl's not buying this story about no no not at all um so in, in the end beth admits yeah i was i was here i was working on a on a garment late last night and carla wants to see it but she's a Beth like, oh, no, 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 I threw it away, sorry. Carla says, is this, any, is this anything to do with this guy that Stephen was showing around later? And, and Beth's like, earlier. I, I, later, earlier, sorry, Beth's like, I, I can't say I need to get back to work. Sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Barlow. Leave me alone. Yeah. Back at the exciting adventures of Peter and the iPad tablet. Um, he's there, he's there in a scene with Ruby and, and no hope. Um, and I'm not just talking. I'm not just <laughs> right. talking about no. <laughs> the actresses. No, <laughs> I, didn't even, no. <coughs> I didn't even mean that. She, I no. can't remember what the line. There's something in the script where R- Ruby is is purposefully not allowed to say something, or I can't remember. Peter says, "Oh, so you're staying quiet, are you?" And it's like, yeah, don't don't give Ruby anything to say here. She does say one thing when she opens up this tablet after agreeing to take it off Peter. She says. Oh no! Because because the iPad tablet, sorry, um, Apple has got has got cracks all down it, and and Peter's like, no, no, it, I, I, she really tries to convince them that there's nothing wrong with this screen, doesn't he? Like you don't know what you're talking you don't about. Need the screen this is fine. For a tablet. This is okay. Go on, go on, take it. I'll give me my tools. Um, and uh, Carla, uh, meanwhile, is is on a bit of a um, investigative um, uh, streak. And she first off, she she starts looking at the broken sewing machine or whatever it is. Overlocker. Over, I'm glad you know what it is. Broken overlocker. And then she looks in a locker. <laughs> so she finds in the overlocker a sample of Sarah's material. And in her locker, she finds in Michael's locker, she finds a screwed up piece of paper that catches her interest. So um, Peter. Um, yeah. I can't remember what happens. I'm just having a little scan. Yeah. So Michael. This is a there's a there's an awful lot of this storyline tonight, wasn't there? Story, yeah. It is if if you're not paying attention. Yep, yep, yep. Michael, meanwhile, is worried as the um, contract email still hasn't arrived, and, and Sarah's like, oh, "Don't worry, I'll try and call Rufus." No joy there. Ugh. Stephen says, "Right, I'm going to head to the factory to check it's not being hand delivered." So he arrives at the factory and is quite taken aback to see that Carla is in his off in her office, laughing away with Rufus because. Peter had um, kind of been speaking to Rufus earlier, hadn't he? And he'd brought up the fact that um, Carla is, is in charge of the house. Now, I can't remember, but to, to get a long story short, Stephen walks in there and Rufus is like, I've just been talking with Carla. She tells me she's the boss. Yeah. What the hell's going on? Why were you making out that you were the main boss? Carla's absolutely fuming at him. Mm-hmm. And she also drops the bombshell that Stephen doesn't own the D's designs that Michael made. She does. 
And um, so Sarah, Michael, and Adam <laughs> oh, turn up, and 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 Carla puts on this little role play of being in a court. And here's my <laughs> here's my exhibit A. a and exhibit B. Her proof that the designs were made by Michael because the bit of paper that she pulled out of the locker, the screwed up bit of paper that she oh so handily happens to find, has some old scribbles that he did in the factory once, which for Carla means well he was my employee. He was designing some clothes. I'm the boss, uh, go, these boss, these designs uh, belong to me, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. And uh, Stephen gives her the evil stare, and that's the end well, of this week's coronation Yeah, I mean, Street. Adam's there saying, well, yeah, I think that she's right, yeah. We'll see, I, I can't remember. With yeah, well, she was saying, no, stop me if I'm wrong, Adam, what do you think of this, Adam? And Adam's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't well, she, she basically points out that according to the contracts, the employment contracts that they've signed... Yeah. She owns that whatever they they've worked on. Even if you're not employed to do that particular job. I don't know why your employment contract as a salesperson would have license over anything that you do that's creative. But she he, he did use The thing is, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's that stuck in my craw a little bit as a creative person to like say have you have a full time job. And also do creative stuff on the side to, to have a boss go, oh, yeah, and all your creative stuff. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Not always. But in this case, well, she's pointed out that she does in the contract. But they're using her premises. And it's really annoying me how entitled Michael, Sarah and Stephen all were about using Carla's factory i know that's not how you get into business by being well maybe it probably is actually by being shady and underhanded yeah that's probably exactly how most people get into business carla's carla's just being resourceful recently turned into um a raging bitch for no reason but old carla would have been canny enough to have said use my premises when no one's here don't get in my way don't mess up any of the machines and i'll let you do it but i want 10 percent of the profits Mm. Why didn't they ever come to this agreement? Well, maybe, maybe that's for the argument. Go that's next why. Week. But yeah, um, I've yeah. So my, some of Michael's design work was done at home on his own laptop. I assume it's not Underworld's yeah. laptop. No, but I I, I don't know. I, I believe Carla that she owns them. And now I don't understand these things. That this investment that's been put in is threatened, isn't it? Mm. Elaine's. 10k or whatever she's put in what's going to happen with that very good point i don't know because they put all this money into these designs Mm. have they got any other ideas (laughs) different word numbers (laughs) symbols do you know hieroglyphics on t-shirts and here's something she hasn't considered unlike letters of the alphabet there are an infinite number of numbers you can go all the way up yeah, you but you can, put a, you can put a number on a t-shirt that no one has ever put on any item of clothing copyright before it. if you try hard enough. Yeah, copyright it. If you get if you get an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of um, computer design packages, one of them will design a t-shirt with a number on that nobody's designed before. Yeah. That's how it works. I want that. <laughs> and you could have limited edition. Yeah. And just go up from there. <laughs> how are you finding um, Sarah <laughs> Louise and Michael as a, as a business duo? I mean, ha- the hapless, whole... aren't they? Hapless. I think I'm finding them a little bit more believable. I did like it. I can't remember what it was that Rufus said when he assumed that Sarah was... The you know, totty. Le- yeah, the, yeah the, the totty of the operation. And she's like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. The, I'm the director. I thought that it was... Even though maybe he should have been called out on what he said, I thought it was... You know, she, she 
was quite level-headed and um, and cool at that. Um, I'm, I'm buying them a, a slightly more now, but the, the thing is, I think that they're going to be doing this business um, project together for a, a small while, just for this storyline to run, really, and then it'll all fall apart. I just feel sorry for Michael for being embroiled in this stupid plat nonsense. Plat nonsense? How well, dare Sarah you? Well, Sarah and Stephen are basically just... They've, they've ruined this poor man. He he was doing perfectly fine trucking along with his little baby grow business. Mm. And uh, he was obviously getting them... He was obviously working on like some Teespring or something, you know, where you design it on the computer and then they fulfil the orders somehow. Mm. And now she's she's involved herself and so is Stephen and they've just walked him into a trap. <laughs> well... He shouldn't, he, shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been designing business. stuff when he was supposed to be working for Carla. Mm. Oh, who hasn't just doing little doodles when, you, when you're sitting on the phones? Well, yeah. Um, so, going, going back to this, uh, this baby thing, yeah. um, Adam was, was kind of miffed yeah. that Sarah has decided to withdraw her, her loins. Uterus. Yeah. Do, do you think that he has any right to be miffed? Because I, I'm kind of thinking he does. And, I, I, yeah, and and he, you know, he it, her, it's her body and everything. I'm not saying that she she shouldn't have any decision, but he's always wanted a well, for as long as the storyline started last year, I guess, wanted a kid, and she was the one that was going on. She's the one that had the app on her phone that was dinging every time she was ovulating or whatever, and for her to literally out of nowhere turn around and say, "No, I'm not interested anymore," I don't blame him for being a little bit mad about that. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> um, I sympathise, I can sympathise with both of them here. Because Adam doesn't have any children, biological children, of his own. And he wanted to have one with Sarah. Sarah's quite in her, within her rights to say, I've, you know, I've had, I've got, she's got a, a, a she's got a daughter. Got a grown up daughter. Old enough to have her own child now. And she's got a young <clears> child <throat> to look after. And she did have postpartum psychosis, which is no joke. She's going to damage her body and her health, potentially, and not be able to work on her new business, which she didn't have this time last year when she was suggesting the idea of a baby. That's the only difference, really, isn't it? Yeah, she's, but she's, she wants to focus on her career. And I don't... The best one in the world, I don't think Adam's going to be an, a super hands-on dad. He's got a very mm. challenging job of his own. Yeah. Is he going to be able to drop everything when she's working late? I mean, they conveniently completely ignored Harry this week when they were supposed to be having dinner and (laughs) she was working late. I think that Adam might also be thinking that Sarah Louise is getting on a bit. Well, and I know she's still young, but and I, and I don't know anything about when's the best time. Well, but but Sarah's what thirty five now, maybe, and so he might well be thinking. You know, there's only a couple of years left, maybe. He literally said, let's not sleepwalk into the decision being made for us, which I thought oh, was a very, um, very good and succinct way of, of putting the issue of the biological clock mm, mm. to her. Yeah. But Adam, don't worry about it. Five years' time, we'll be married to somebody else and probably <laughs> have a kid with them. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I just wonder whether this is going to lead to him... You know, looking elsewhere because he has had a roving eye in the past, hasn't he? Maybe Dee Dee if uh, if she's rejected by Nick. Who knows? Wasn't that the reason he started cheating in the first place? Because he wanted a baby. 
Or was that somebody else? When was he cheating? With... I don't know. He wasn't cheating. Didn't somebody start... You're not thinking of the Lydia thing where she where it looked like she was cheating. She tried to make out that he was cheating. I don't I know. I don't know. Let's go on to the next storyline. I'm Tooth pretty sure there was a storyline about that, but maybe I Never mind. Tooth and lies, Gemma. So, the, the, the saga of Lawrence and his dentist friend. Lawrence and his dentist friend. Sorry, Sean and his dentist friend. Mm-hmm. What's been going on? On Monday, in Eileen's house... Mary's trying to talk to Sean about... She's created, a, a, like, a buffet-style breakfast. And he, he's eating the fruit salad. Well, she's trying to get him to eat the fruit salad, but he's distracted by his phone. And then Lawrence comes over with a selection of, of Danish pastries. And um, Eileen thanks him for sorting out Todd's teeth. Um, for some reason, they're in a taxi. And I don't remember why they're in a taxi. Todd, Lawrence... Todd and Lawrence. No. The, so You've not written this, so I can understand it. You watched it just as much. Um, no, the, the, um, no, actually, I can't remember either. Todd was getting out of a taxi or something. Oh, and Mitch right. is there, the taxi driver. And then he sees, Lawrence. coming out of an 11, Lawrence and Sean, I think. And, I, and maybe Eileen or something. Right, and Mitch I is remember. like, I, I know that guy. Carry on. I know that guy. He's always giving people Danish pastries, making them fat. <laughs> he says, Sean should watch his back. He's giving people Danish pastries and then getting, getting them holes in their teeth so that he can charge them extortionate dental fill, uh, bills. This is what I've heard. Apparently, that kind of doughy, biscuity things are the worst for your teeth because they stay stuck like cement and in, then they create cavities. Do you reckon that Lawrence hangs out at the precincts just with a, with a bag of... of, uh, of no, with, with Danishes, with with um, with vanilla slices. Just... Hey, kid, do you want one of these nice yeah. biscuits? <laughs> right. Have have a cinnamon world. You don't have to get into my car or anything. Just eat it and don't brush your teeth. <laughs> See you next week. Who brushes teeth? Losers. That's who. <laughs> right. So he's like, Sean should wash his watch his back. Bye bye. <laughs> Sean should wash it wash his back. <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> I can tell from here. So. Sean walks into the cab office later and Eileen and Todd are talking about this mystery taxi driver and his cryptic remarks. And um, he wants to know what's going on and they, they avoid talking to, to him. Um, but but uh, Todd wants to meet up with um, Todd at lunch to get, get this information out of him. So when they do meet, Todd tells him what Mitchard says. And Sean's like, "Don't. what do you mean, watch, watch my back? You're just being jealous. I, I don't understand why you're obsessing over my boyfriend. Keep your nose out. And and Sean decides to have it out with Lawrence, so he calls him in, into the pub, shows him a picture of Mitch, and he's like, I don't know who that is. So, see, suspicious, isn't it? Because he does know who that is. Yeah, but we don't know at this point that he doesn't know who it, that he knows who it is. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it's suspicious that he lied. He was very suspicious. Later on, Eileen is doing a bit of digging, and she found finds a picture of Lawrence and his wife, who's now dead on their Rambling Club website, and Lawrence is there with Mitch, and he's got his he arm... Does know him. ...around his shoulder. So, Sean says, um, OK, I believe you that you, there's nothing to be suspicious about, because he, does, he doesn't know about this. And uh, he's, like, 96 97% sure that it's all fine. And Lawrence says, well, that's good, because i got a surprise for you later. And so, back at home, 
Sean tells Eileen and Todd the surprise that Lawrence had for him is that they've, they're taking a mini break at the weekend. And so um, Eileen and Todd can stop being so suspicious and making all these horrible comments. Well, how's that going to work? Because they haven't had a weekend in Coronation Street for about five years. Wednesday, Todd's still trying to look up Mitch online to find out more information so they can uncover what he meant by his cryptic remarks. And they can't find out. So Aline says, look, why don't we book the taxi firm that he worked for? And then if it's not him, we'll cancel. <laughs> Todd's like, that is a dumb idea, but it was the only idea we've got. <laughs> so we're going to have to do it. And um, because each time you book a taxi and cancel it, they charge you eight pounds. Um, it's going to cost him like 80 yeah, quid. Yeah, he ends up racking up quite a bill. He doesn't have any luck later on. And then he has luck. Sean and Lawrence are in the bistro later on and Sean's trying to guess where they're going on their mystery break. And Lawrence is filling out their holiday insurance details. He's like, oh, I need to know um, who the next of kin's going to be. I'm going to put you down as mine because I love you, he says. Isn't that lovely? Very lovely. Sorry, I'm just in the middle of a massive Todd yawn. Todd and Eileen finally get a Mitch match. <laughs> You've written. I, I, I did write that, but I, I copied it from, from the script. He tells him... Mitch says. Mitch, Mitch says gives to the story, doesn't Todd, he? and Eileen in this car. I think Lawrence killed his wife. In fact, I know he did. I was having an affair with him. What? The wife found out. Lawrence was worried she was going to tell everybody before he was ready to come out. So he pushed her off the mountain. And watch out, he's dangerous. I can't talk anymore. I've got to go. You can't... The thing is, most mountains, you get this idea of a mountain as, like, this kind of really narrow top bit. Mm. But that's not really what mountains are. You can't really push people off no, a mountain. No, if you're standing on the top of a mountain and you push someone, what you was just, it going like, to do? You just, trip down for about a few metres and go, what the hell was that for? <laughs> you're pushing me. Right. This I suppose if you, get a, if you start rolling and you get a good speed up, there's probably no stopping you, is there? Maybe it's one of these mountains with, like, a big crevasse down mm. one side. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Very specific sort of mountain for wife pushing. It's called wife push mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in Switzerland. So how do you say that in Swiss? Uh, Le Montagne de Marie de Tomblay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> what is it then? How do you say push? Is it pousse? Fampus. <laughs> Fampus mountain? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I can see that being a good destination for postcards. So, um, in the pub later, Sean is going on about how great Lawrence is to Todd and Eileen. And, oh, I'm going to put him down on my on my um, insurance form as my Mexican, I think. And then Sean, Sean goes off and Todd's like, oh, gosh, do you reckon that, that's, that um, Lawrence insured his wife as well? That's probably what happened. We've got to tell him the truth. So after, the, after Sean's on his break, they tell him about Mitch's revelation. And that Lawrence pushed her off of a mountain. And Sean's like, no, no way. And he also says, they're like, uh, I think Todd's like, he, you can't trust him because he's had an affair. And Sean says, so what? We all have had affairs. Uh, that doesn't mean Half we're bad people. Character. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean you push someone off a mountain. And now I'm definitely going to put him as my next kin because I trust him. And then <laughs> at the end of the episode, Lawrence uh, is speaking to Sean about their destination. And he says, our break is going to be somewhere up high. And Sean gives a look like, Ee! He does. Sean, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I'm unapologetically Sean fan, and some of the looks that he gave this week did Grimacing. give me a, a good old chuckle. They're like, oh, what have I let myself Oops. in for? Look at the end of Wednesdays, was, that was a particularly highlight for me. On Friday, Sean... And then when he was looking at the bag today, when he was being tempted by that bag, he was just like, oh, oh, should I? Just the pained expression, I love it. It is good, yeah. On, fr- on Friday, Aline apologises to Sean about everything, and Todd says, no, I'm not going to apologise, because I don't trust... Lawrence and Lawrence is trying to get him uh, Lawrence is trying to prepare Sean for the trip without actually telling him where they're going and he's saying to him you don't need your phone because there won't be any reception so you won't be able to call anybody and Sean's getting really spooked like oh he's going to take me somewhere high and I can't have my phone I think he's going to kill me Mm -hmm. Um, and he's panicking and he's like please can you please can you tell me where we're going I need to know and Lawrence relents and says, we're going to Switzerland. And Sean goes, oh no, that's where Dignitas is. <laughs> that I thought was that was line. really funny. And he's freaking this out. Is a, um, this was a Jonathan Harvey episode tonight, wasn't it? it? Was. And there were definitely a couple of lines there that um, definitely smacked of him. So he's freaking out, looking at this bag, wondering what's in there. I don't know what he thinks you need to push someone off a mountain. Yeah, Lawrence says, don't look in my bag. Yeah, that's right. I'm going out. So Eileen and Todd come back and find Sean and he's worrying about going to Switzerland. And they're like, no, we've changed our mind. We don't think he's really going to kill you. You're just overreacting. And then, and Lawrence comes in and they're all there in Eileen's house together. So Eileen, Lawrence, Todd yeah, and, and Sean. I think when Lawrence comes in, Sean's like grabbed the bag, hasn't he? Like he's, he's like just hovering about over to it. open yeah. it. Yeah. And Lawrence is like, what's going on? And Sean says, oh my God, I think you're going to kill me. You're gonna, you've got a murder weapon in this bag and you're going to take me up a mountain and you're going to kill me. And Lawrence says, no, it's a present. Open it up. So he, he gets this bag and inside of it is some kind of thing for tanning or something like that. And Lawrence is like, what, what is going on? Why have you worked yourself up like that? And Eileen says, we met up with this taxi driver called Mitch and he told us that you pushed your wife off a mountain. And Lawrence says, all right, okay, fine. I was having an affair with Mitch, but I didn't murder her. Um, And the, the affair with Mitch ended as soon as my wife died. So he speaks to Sean by himself about the day the day his wife died he says right I'll sit you down I'm going to tell you what happened I, I, when, when he said I'm going to sit you down and tell you everything that happened when my wife died I thought oh good going to find out the, the exact circumstances and it's going to be really interesting but it was more just a case of well, I wasn't even there I know that was anticlimactic so he says I was called to another cabin on a dental emergency and Lynn my <laughs> wife what <laughs> somebody's bitten hard on a Toblerone that just came out of the fridge and they chipped a tooth <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Have a Danish while you wait. <laughs> right, so, so Lynn, Lynn goes on a solo hike because they both are mad on hiking. She just can't help herself, can she? She's like, oh, I'm itching to hike. And there's low visibility and she just fell. And that was the end of that. She fell off the mountain because she couldn't see where, where it was. Too snowy. Um, and he, he tears up and he says, it's my fault. I wasn't there. And Sean's like, yeah, but why would you want to go back to where your wife died? Why would you want to go back to the country and do the same thing? And wouldn't it stir up all these horrible memories? And Loris is like, you don't understand, Sean. I just love walking so much. (laughs) I love the Alps. I love Switzerland. There's just something about it. And I wanted to share share it with you. My, My joy, I knew. And he says something like, as soon as I saw you, I knew. I knew that you were the one I would be able to share my love. And it's like, what do you mean? If you look at Sean, you don't go hiking material. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
where he says, look, I, I really wanted to share, share this and face my fears and, um, and overcome them with you, but I can't, we're done, uh, you're dumped. So he leaves and uh, Todd chases Lawrence up to the tram stop and says, don't leave him, it's my fault. I put all these ideas in Sean's head. Um, and Lawrence says, no, Sean doesn't trust me. I don't want sadness and chaos in my life. So he should leave because that's all that waits him on Coronation mm. Street. So he leaves, he's going. So in in number 11, in Eileen's house, Sean is uh, going on about, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I've ruined everything again. And Todd comes back in from trying to stop Lawrence from leaving and says, I'm so sorry, this has happened. And Sean says, I forgive you. I forgive you both. Yeah, because, yeah, he says, oh, I'm, I'm just so lovely and nice and forgiving. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It is, it's very So, um, is that it this for Lawrence? This was bizarre, right, because I just want to point out again, at the beginning of the month, of the week, Lawrence completely denied the fact that he even knew who Mitch was. And that doesn't make any sense. Well, it does if he was kind of ashamed of this affair that he was having. He could have easily have said, that I used to, that's an ex-boyfriend of mine and he it, we, it ended badly. I think, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want to rake up the past because it's got sad memories And how did that work out before? Every time he tries to lie to Todd... I mean, to to Sean, it just goes wrong. Why does he keep lying? Why does he keep lying? Are you... I, I'm, I'm still suspicious of him. I'm still suspicious. I I'm, really want him to be a murderer. I'm ever so him. slightly suspicious, but but not not that much I to also, be excited by it. I don't think that Sean was ever in danger because I don't think Lawrence pushed his wife off a mountain if he did indeed. Because he just loves pushing people off mountains. And when he saw Sean, he just thought, I'd love to push push someone off a mountain again. And I've been looking for all these years for somebody that needs to be pushed off a mountain. And I think in you, I've found that person, Sean. And the viewers are like, yes, I know exactly what you mean, Lawrence. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the mystery of it. I was kind of going back and forth between thinking... Is, is has he done it? And then has, did he kill his wife? And then the, the the very sensible voice in my head was going, "No, of course he didn't. They're just trying to lead you to think this. He, they're, they're not going to have it. It's going to all be one misunderstanding." And then I was thinking, "Ah, oh, yeah, but did he?" And and you know, I, I suppose in that sense, this storyline has done its job. I was quite invested to find out where he was taking Sean, what the outcome would be and everything like that. Was the was the outcome of the week that exciting? Was it worth it all? Not really. We, we got a bit of a heart-to-heart between the two of them and it was a bit sweet. And it, 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 I, I kind of, this story, which I had been enjoying, just left me felt feeling a little bit unfulfilled at the end. What did you think? Because I know you were... You were Barely enjoying it as the week was going on. I don't you? want this to be the end of Lawrence, but it, it, we've had the same ending twice here, where where Todd and Eileen have worked Sean up into doing or saying something silly, and then Lawrence says, "I'll tell you the truth," but then I'm going, and then he mm. flounces off. Um, I'm suspicious. I'm st- still suspicious of Lawrence. Why did he lie about Mitch? We've now we've had two stories. Is there three stories about why why is why he might have? He's got loads of motives about killing his wife, the insurance money, mm. the, the fast fortune of her parents, yeah, and also the fact that he was having an affair. Mm. I just don't... I don't think that we're going to 
it's going to go down there. And if it does, I don't know how interesting it would be to watch because it would all be just him telling what happened rather than us kind of being able to see it and watch it and experience it, you know? If he turned around and said, oh, yeah, you know, what's right, I did I did push her down and this is exactly what happened, it, I don't think it would make brilliant television just but to, they can to hear about it. They can Photoshop anything now. They can, they, they, yeah, that's very true. They, they even Photoshopped a picture of them off a mountain, didn't they? The picture that um, the, the picture was found of, or, by Todd. The rambling the picture. Yeah, of, that was... Um, the wife and Mitch and Lawrence. Yeah, that was very well photoshopped it was by, taken by, out, by Michael Gleason, wasn't it? Taken outside uh, the Tony yeah. Warren building. Yeah, that's very good. It was yeah, it was just on the on the little path, wasn't it? It was really good. It was really well done, and uh, I didn't it didn't even cross my mind that it wasn't. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, I guess they went up a mountain for that one. <laughs> so was was Mitch lying? So so Mitch. He was really convinced that Lawrence pushed this girl, didn't it? But so why does he think Woman. that? Exactly. If Lawrence says no, it was nothing to do with me. It was a, it was a tragic accident. Yeah. Why Why does Mitch? Well, the same reason why Todd thinks it. Because Lawrence it makes is just sense. a very suspicious guy. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Um, anyway, it was it was it was all fine. That storyline. I know some people didn't like it, but. Um, I, I like Sean Lawrence. I wasn't too fussed at. I, I got plenty of what I like about Sean in this week's episode. So um, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. I think the the most important thing is that Sean didn't have to go hiking in Switzerland. We wouldn't have seen it anyway. I know, but I would I would enjoy that. But I do not think that sh- for one minute that Sean would have liked it. I know. I Can you imagine Sean got... up a mountain saying, oh, "It's too cold." When's the? I can't believe he's got the wardrobe for it. No, and I don't. If Lawrence is is knows anything about Sean, he would have realised that he's not your future hiking partner. Yeah, that's that's a really good point actually, and it's taken him a long time to realise this. I mean, if, if he's that so into hiking that he just has to go back and he he wants to hike all the time. Yeah, then you would have thought to... that maybe it would have come up before this point, and yeah, maybe realised that Sean isn't the active type. And here's the other thing. You can't change a man, Lawrence. You just can't. You can lead a man up a mountain, but you can't make him hike. You can only push him off. <laughs> so um, the other question is, why isn't he in this rambling club anymore? Do, have they all ostracised him? Because they all think he pushed his wife Maybe. up a mountain. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to move on to the next storyline now, our Bernie Winnett storyline. And um, this was another little bit of filler fluff, really, wasn't it? And there were times when I was... Fluff. There was times when I was thinking, this isn't really working for me. And then it looked like it kind of ended by Wednesday and it felt somewhat satisfying and satisfactory. But anyway, so Bernie... <laughs> at the beginning of Monday's episode, is telling Gemma all about this golfing prowess that she's suddenly discovered that she has. And um, Chesney's like, no, De- Dev's let you win. That's what he told me. So she's like, what? Heads over to the shop, face like thunder. Did you let me win at golf yesterday? And he's, he kind of beats around the bush a little bit. We're going, oh, no, baby, you're, you're really good at golf. You're amazing. He clearly admitted that he wasn't playing his A game. Um, but you know, she says, he says, you were good, but yeah, I, I kind of didn't give you. you my best competition. So he invites her out to another game because she's like, fine, I want to prove that I can beat you. Don't hold back. So they head off to the golf course later on and they're back home from this. And what do you know? Bernie's won again. She's crowing about it to Gemma. Dev though is like, 
he's starting to get, he's getting really wound up by this, isn't he? He's like smiling through gritted teeth and saying, oh, she really is quite good. Uh, later still, and Bernie's getting all excited about her future prospects out on the links and uh, Dev's saying, oh yeah, you're brilliant. I'm so delighted for you. He absolutely despises the fact that there's competition come. And I'm going to say as well, I don't think the fact that, I, th I think the fact that Bernie is a woman beating him at golf, Dev doesn't like. Do you oh. think there's a little bit of that in there? It you might know, being, be. He's always been a real schmoozy ladies man and he likes to look after his ladies because he thinks he's, you know, stronger. more vulnerable and stronger. Oh, no. sorry, less vulnerable and, and, and stronger and, and everything. And I don't think he, he likes the idea of being beaten by a woman. There could, there could be a class thing there as well, you know. He's a sort yeah. of middle class business guy and she's this upstart working class girl who's never held a golf club in her life. He should naturally be better than her. I would say that he's more embarrassed about the fact being, that she's being a by woman. A girl. Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, he Anyway, so kids are in bed later over at number five and Gemma warns Bernie that Dev might not be as okay about all this as he's making out and Bernie says, nah, Dev's a grown up, he's fine, he can take it. Cut to Dev. And he is having a major hissy fit in his front lounge. He's got the indoor golf putting malarkey thing out and um he's trying to he's trying to get some holes in one and just doing an awful job of it. He's losing his mind. Ardy's there just finding this all hilarious. And Dev says, No, you don't understand, Ardy. Golf has always been my happy place, it's been my escape, and now Bernie's ruined it. And Ardy's like, well, you just need to deal with it. You're growing old. And Dev, Dev just goes absolutely nuts about this. I, I found that quite amusing. It was another one of those things that probably um, people who don't like Dev would roll in their eyes majorly it's, at. It's, but I, I the, thought it was good. The moral of this story, I think, might just be you don't have to share every interest with your partner. No. And if there's some things you do specifically to unwind, then you don't need to involve them. Exactly. Lesson learned, Dev. That's why I've got my own podcast that you're not involved what? in. It. Yeah. So Wednesday, Bernie tells Roy that she's not coming into work today because she needs to practice her golf. She's got these trials today to try and get into the club. Uh, and she's managed to get herself a set of clubs as well. But then... Dev They're and not very Asher, good. Not so good ones. So Dev and Asher come round and they present her with a... With a... Caddy, is that the right word? Of... Is that right? Clubs. Was that what you call you carry your clubs in? I don't know. With a set of of golf clubs, Ardy's old ones, which he's apparently moved on from. And that was I thought that was quite interesting because we've said for years, like, oh, do you remember when Ardy was really into golf as a young child, he was a little prodigy? What well, why doesn't he do golf anymore? And and we get to find out this week that yeah, Ardy has moved on well, from so that's that somewhat. What he says. Symbolic, isn't it? Because you do you remember now Bernie's taking Ardy's golf clubs without his permission. Mm. But do you remember, she knocked his golf trophy. Yes. And broke it. Bit by bit. Uh, she's, she's replacing him. Yeah, she's shattering his uh, his golf mad past. Anyway, Bernie goes to the cafe later to give the clubs to Asher. She says, look. Now, hang on. It was sweet when Dev gave her the clubs and then she took one and oh, she yeah. hooked him with the golf club yeah, to like, give her like a Yeah, like a crook off the stage. Yeah, see, that was sweet. That was sweet. Um, so Bernie goes to the cafe later, says, look, I need to give you these clubs back. Um, I didn't pass the golf trials. Time has passed since the last scene. She's clearly totally miffed about this. And she says, yeah, oh, maybe I was just getting a bit too ahead of myself. 
I'm better suited to crazy golf anyway. She gets a bit maudlin and, and self-depreciating um, and everything. So Dev goes around to number five later, wanting to speak to Bernie. And he says, look, I, I've got some contacts there. I still think I can get you into this club. I've got some connections. And she's like totally over it now. She... She, she, um, don't want to do it. Yeah, she, 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 she's almost like she says, Well, no, I'm done. I can't, Move I haven't done it. Move. She doesn't want to op- open herself up to the possibility of maybe getting into that club again because she doesn't want to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, later on again, and Gemma asks Bernie, This is kind of the twist in it, isn't it? Did you lose this game against Dev on purpose? And Bernie's <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of the the line is something along the lines of I'd rather be bouncing around Dev's bed on a Sunday morning than on a rainy golf course. And um, well, it seems to work because the end of that episode sees Bernie and Dev scurrying off to bed together like a bunch of randy teenagers. Yeah, I I thought that was really funny. I I just I love the way that the Bernie Bernie must have like twigged that Dev wasn't okay with this and thought I I don't really care about golf. Mm. I don't want to jeopardise my relationship. I'd rather just have a nice shag. I don't care about walking about, so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna sacrifice my future golfing career. Mm. And uh, I, I said this last week, and this may still be fairly, you know, judgmental of me um, and prejudice, I suppose. I but I, it. I I didn't particularly buy Bernie as an expert golfer, and of course, we don't get to see them out on the green. Back in the day, they'd have scenes filled at the golf course, wouldn't they? Remember yeah. when Fred fell down that hole or whatever it was? Um, I and, find and we it... just had to use our imagination to picture Bernie getting these holes and ones. Like I couldn't really. I don't think it's Bernie specifically. I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to believe that anybody could get to that age and be so good at golf that they're invited to join a team. Yeah, yeah. The I fact don't that think it's a natural after one talent. game she got invited to be in the club or the team or whatever. It all felt a little bit quick, but you know that's what happens when you have a little rushed story. This this was clearly a it's bit okay. of a filler background story. It was okay. Um, I, I thought that the ending of it was quite funny. I don't need to see any more than this. Um, but the only thing that maybe it isn't the end of it, when Dev was losing the games and losing his mind, I was wondering, you know, is there, is this the start of a storyline where there's something wrong with Dev? No. Is he, is he developing something which means what? that he's losing his touch at golf? Is he developing a syndrome where he doesn't like women to be better at sport than him? Is he is he developing bad at golf syndrome? Or, mm. or you know, you know, so he, he might be getting you know a bit uncoordinated in his older his but older years or like something. It. I don't know. I, I know we don't like medical storylines, but watch this space. Maybe my favourite part was top dibs. What was that again? It was a bidding website. Oh yeah, top dibs. That's the Weatherfield so, eBay. Yeah. What did she, is that? Where she got her golf clubs? Yeah. Hmm. You get your stuff from Top Dibs. You put you put your your photos at Send PX. Yeah. Your friend connect and your Voggle. Yeah, well, we saw all this on Roy's phone today. We didn't did, we? You made a little screenshot of uh, of Roy checking his mobile and the ad text Lots messages Send PX, yeah. Weatherfield recorder or something. Well, let's but talk about Roy, on, shall we? On Monday, he finish spent off with Roy. The night looking up a Roman dig on his phone, and Evelyn's not impressed that that he's become such a convert to the phone. And they, they start talking about the charity shop and um, Nina. Yeah, she, 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 uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what Well, somebody means. should go and help. Mary brings... No, Nina tries to convince Roy to go in and help, I think, at the charity shop. 
Mary think. brings some old annuals round to number nine for the girls, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, I remember reading." That, that was a that was a nice bit of nostalgia moment, wasn't it? She, I, yeah. What was that that you recognised? I can't remember what they were now. Because they had a Beano annual and a Dandy annual and there from the, from the mid-80s. And although I didn't have those particular... Because I used to collect the Dandy annuals. And I think the first one that I got was 1992. Um, but that there was a wave of nostalgia. Because I also used to get... like They had compilations of... Um, best bits from the dandy over the first yeah. 50, 60 years or whatever yeah. and, and seeing those old things. And they still make dandy annuals and Beano, even though they don't publish the dandy comic anymore. I think they still make the annual every year. It was, um, yeah, I appreciated that. I'd, I'd have taken it off of her hands if I'd found that in the Gregory Pope. I remember getting like uh, little kid, um, girls comic compilations and they were from however long ago. Yeah. So it was like, oh no, Betty... My dress for the dance has got a rip in it. Whatever shall we do? And that mm. kind of stuff. And I was like, I can't wait to find out. Turn the page. She sewed it up. <laughs> Incredible. She's got Beth to do it in the middle of the night. So um, she she wants to tear them away from the screens. And Evelyn's like, that's not going to happen. And uh, meanwhile, Roy won't get off his phone. He's dropping crockery. He's burning toast. Um, and Carla says to Nina, what have you done to him? He's obsessed with the phone. Um, you know, you should have, you should have realised that once he gets into something, he really gets into something. So it's your, you're, you're responsible for this. Um, he's on Twitter later. He's, he's looking up a cryptozoologist. I love that. Greg Newkirk, perhaps? Maybe? I don't know. Does he like gremlins? Watch Hellier. Very good. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, they do a podcast, which I, I should, I, I recommend, but I forgot what it's called. <laughs> Hidden objects, cursed objects. It's very good. Anyway, um, Nina's proud of him. Evelyn pops in and says, um, I've been to the charity shop and Joy's gone, so I think I'm going to work there again. Joy, Joy's the woman the one that, that had an that, argument. Yeah, the one that Evelyn was going to bludgeon to death with a cricket bat before she went off. I think she has done that. Yeah, I think she's like, I've killed her and I've shoved her in a, in a thing and now I think I'm going to work there again because <laughs> it's Greg and Dana's Haunted Objects podcast. Okay. I think it's very interesting if you like spooky things. Anyway, um, Evelyn's going to work there and she's she's looked at the, the, the charity shop but it's been left in the right state. So she says, Roy, um, could you come and help me tidy it up? So on Wednesday, uh, back at the cafe, Evelyn's moaning about Lilo Lil, who is the new Duke of Edinburgh girl at the flat. The shop. The shop, who's a bit of a waste of space. But she says, there is a train set there that Roy could value so I can make sure that I sell it for a good price. And he says, um, I'll go around to look at it. But he never gets around to it, so she has to bring it to him. And he's very impressed. He says, oh, this is a rare specimen. And he starts talking, like, he's rattling off a bunch of facts. And uh, she's not really listening. Um, and he says, I'll get somebody to, to value it for, for you. And um, she doesn't, he doesn't get around to telling her when she needs the information. So she sells it for £10. But it turns out it could have been worth up to £200. What? And uh, that's a bit annoying, isn't it? So later still, Nina... Hate it when that happens. Nina's trying to get Roy to put the phone down so that she, they can watch a film together. But he's like, oh, no, no, let me show you this. Let me show you this. My friend sent it to me earlier. <laughs> so on Friday, Beth comes into the cafe and Nina says, Roy's addicted to his phone. And Roy's like, no, I'm not. So she says, right, don't look at your phone until the end of your shift. But she get, he gets a message from Yasmin. It's a meme of a cat licking condensation off a window. And um, so he loses the bet. So Nina takes the phone off of him. And 
Then when Dylan's looking at his phone, Roy can't pull his eyes away. He's looking at him from <laughs> behind the counter. That scene was weird because it was... Who was it that was talking to Dylan? Was it Beth or somebody or... Could have been anyone. I can't, I can't remember, but it was someone that I was thinking, what, why are you speaking to this boy who... I don't think you even know who they are or anything. I don't know, darling. But yeah, I was thinking, where's this going? And then you just kind of see Roy sidling into the background and what having a look at these space at? pictures. Well, it's a good job he was just looking at deep space pictures because there's all kinds of things that Dylan could have been looking at. Well, that, on that's what this person was insinuating, whoever so, it was, I don't remember. At the end of his shift, Roy gets his phone back and promises he'll spend less time on it from now on. And he sends Nina up to the flat and immediately starts checking his notifications. That was that. And that's it. I, I, I'm kind of torn in with this story between finding it quite quaint and funny. And charming. And, and, and also Low thinking, oh, why, would he really get that obsessed with his phone that quickly? It's just yeah. like, yeah. oh, he's been saying everybody who goes on their phone is a zombie. And then within five minutes, oh, look, he's a zombie phone guy. It was just, you know, from one extreme, well, one extreme of hating them to the well, other extreme of clear obsession a little bit quickly, I that's, thought. That's the joke. That's the That makes it the story, doesn't it? Mm. I don't know where it's going to go. It, it felt like every single scene in this storyline this week was just you know, filler material. Mm. Some more amusing than others. I'm enjoying it. I definitely think there's lots of there's nothing stuff to be invested for, in. for Roy to be obsessed with on the internet. If he loves memes of cats. Yeah. Do you remember I Can Has Cheeseburger? Of course. Who could forget? I don't know that that still exists. Right. I remember looking at that website for, for hours on end going, this is just the best. I remember. The this is the pinnacle of civilization. Like they, they were proper arrived. memes, they were. Right, so this week's Coronation Street. We've re- what? I want to point out it's not a meme of a cat. You can't just have a meme of a cat licking condensation of a window. You have to have some kind of writing on it. I think that the term meme has changed since that Ice Can Has Cheeseburger started it all it's off. It's got to have a, a message. I think that to ha- I think that these days a meme is just a picture with some writing on. That's what but I I'm just sure said. It, yeah, no, and, but it used to be. I can't even remember what it used to be. It was more like something that everybody knows and there was a, yeah, there was a no, small was... number of memes and it's like, right, this is it's the time a... when I'm going to p- 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 post the picture of the O-R-L-Y-L a... that everybody oh, knows. Really and, yeah. It's the, it's a, it's culture that's disseminated in a group, yeah. by a group. But if you just make one and nobody, you know, and, no, and share it, I it's think... not a meme because nobody knows it. I think a meme now just means a funny picture. Yeah, yeah. Or a video. Oh, well, words change. Right. Um, I won't accept it. So, this week's Coronation Street... It's like, it's like selfie means a picture of yourself now, but it shouldn't mean a picture of yourself. It's a picture you take of yourself. Yes, you're right. I am going to rate this week's Coronation Street. I'm going to say... Do you want to... Have you got an answer? Yes. Three phantom vibrations on your leg. Yeah. Brr, brr, brr. There's nobody there. Apparently that's quite Out common. of five. I thought it was. I thought it was okay. There were some good bits. I was. I was somewhat interested in the bistro uh, kerfuffle aftermath. The the stuff with uh, Michael and 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 Carla was semi interesting. I was slightly gripped by the Sean storyline. Everything there was like, I'm not finding this boring, but on the other hand. I'm not on the edge of my seat there, so so three it's going to be for me. I'm going to give it three and a half wonky Ewan McGregor's. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
Character of the week is another difficult one. This so I don't tricky. know whether there's anyone that completely stands out. Nobody stands out. out to me particularly. I, 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 the two major storylines didn't have anybody who mm, caught my affections. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the the, the Sarah storyline did. I mean, I, I I enjoyed Sean, but I'm thinking I might give it to Sam as as precocious and uh, probably annoying he would be if I knew him in real life. Well, I thought that he was very brave during the bistro robbery and everything that happened on Wednesday's episode where he was kind of wanting to find out the truth. I just find it very um, laudable and a little bit innocent and everything. And, and then when he pushed his decks over, it was quite funny. And then standing up to Nick again, probably if you're this kid's dad, you'd be like, no, you don't speak to me like this, but I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate him for having, having a bit of chutzpah to, to, to do that. So Sam for me. I'm going to pick Bernie because I loved the developing relationship between her and Dev. I liked her hooking him in with the, um, with the uh, golf club. I loved her telling Gemma she'd rather bounce around a bed than a than a golf course. I loved um, her giggling and running upstairs with him. That's a good, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. She's funny. She she's, was good. She's, the, the character's funny. The, putting her with Dev works for me. Um, and so she gets, she gets my award of the week. Well, there you go. Right. Um, I, I'm really, really feel like I'm nearly falling asleep here. Do you? I'd like, eye-meltingly okay. knackered. So I'm going to go and get a little bit of a drink. Oh, all right. Give myself a bit of energy. And then we will see what you? news... Yeah, wait, yeah, don't me go without you me. Guys. There's, there's plenty of news this week, Gemma. So um, we'll, we'll be back in a minute with a cab. Right, you guys just wait there and, and me and my yeah, will be back yeah. in a minute. See you in a bit. Welcome to the cabin, everybody. I am, I'm still quite tired, but I've gone and got myself a cup of hot chocolate. Oh, to, that's not going to help. I think that the sweetness might give me a little bit of bit of a sugar rush before the end of the episode, so we'll see how that goes. We've got lots of news this week, um, but most of it is ex-Coronation Street cast news rather than Cory cast news. We're going to start off with the congratulations to Lucy Fallon, who's had a baby, Gemma. Little, little baba. She played Bethany Platt. And, and she's had a boy, and they haven't, they, they've got a name for it. Apparently it incorporates the taste of both parents, but I don't think they've announced it yet, or at least they haven't when I made these notes anyway. So congrats to Lucy Fallon and boyfriend Ryan. Hope it's a lovely baby. Um, I also saw this week in the news um, the, the stabbing episode of Coronation Street. Remember that one from a few weeks ago? 72 complaints, Gemma. Yay! That were kind of along the lines of, this like is far stabbing. too harrowing for, for something that's on before the watershed. I, I'm a bit surprised by this one. Sometimes when they have these dark storylines on Coronation Street, you think, oh yeah, there's going to be some, some complaints about this. It's only but I, 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 that was it a, was disturbing. That was a good episode. There were, disturb- there were you know, when she, was, when she was, was there on the floor on her knees, getting a bit shaky and pale. I think it was the point of view um, perspective with the knife and stuff, because we know that in the past... Um, Shooters and stabbers and things have, have done that, film mm. themselves. I mean, it must be hard for Coronation Street because they know they're competing with these streaming services well, I... and, and you can watch 
pre-water, sorry, post-watershed things whenever you want. Yeah, so Coronation Street and, and other dramas that are on before nine o'clock must be like, we, we want to push these boundaries. We want to show more. And, you know, everyone's showing, shooting and swearing and guns and bombs yeah, and everything. So, so, so why can't we? And then, and now they're getting, I mean, it's not going to get upheld. No and one off, cares. Ofcom never uphold com- these sort when of complaints, do When was the last time Ofcom ever did anything? Exactly. Anyway, I thought I thought that was a fun. I do like a nice Corey gets a complaint story, and it feels yeah, like too. it's been a long time since we got we did we didn't. I don't think we got that for the bomb episode. And, no, um, what's wrong with but people like bombing then? Do they? Yeah, is that what they're saying? <laughs> if I was a Corey producer, I'd aim to get, um, I'd aim to get um, a thousand complaints a year. Is what I don't want. Yeah, yeah, it's a good set yourself a good benchmark, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, good target. Yeah. Now, Gemma, do you enjoy comedy? No, I don't like jokes. Um, well, if you do... No. Then you should listen to Conversation Street, the weekly coronation. They're not funny at or, all. Or... No, no, I know, sadly. If you want actual comedy that is funny, then you might want to pop along to Coronation Street on Thursday the 9th of March, because there is going to be a comedy night there. Hang on, the actual The actual set... set. Well, in the, Media it, City. Yeah, yeah. In the in the um the venue, the, the, the venue, the the new bit that they're opening up. They're actually doing a comedy night there. Um, it's in partnership with Frog and Bucket, whoever that is. Oh, Manchester. It literally says in the next phrase, Manchester's biggest comedy club. What have you ever done that you're so dismissive of Frog and Bucket? Oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, it's going to be at the Visitors Centre Thursday, the 9th of March. And and the the thing of what that's one of the things about this new visitor centre. It's got the the suites, hasn't it? And I yeah. assume it's in it's in one of these, the Ingerman Suite or the Viaduct Street or whichever one. Yeah. So you you can be one of the first people to what, go there, go in this new bit. What kind of comedy is it? Funny comedy. What kind of comedy is it? Northern comedy humour, apparently. Classic Northern. Nor- Northern comedy, which everybody, um, I'm sure, loves. It's just if making you're a fan, fun of, of people Street. that yeah, no- live yeah, south Northern, of Northern Northern humour is basically and just dismissing how people like us. The, the couples are. Yeah. And um, so there are going to be a lineup of award-winning comedians there. They're going to be serving Wonky Duck Gin from the bar, which is the Coronation Street special gin. The Always that... helps you laugh more. Yeah. Um, and, and there are going to be performances from the likes of Nina Gilligan, Mike Newell, Hayley Ellis, and Mick Ferry. Cool. I don't know who any you don't of them need are. To, you, nobody knows. They don't know who you are. <laughs> It's apparently an evening of entertainment not to be missed. And, uh, and if you head over to the Corrie Tour website, you can go and find out all about that. I think that that's really cool. And I'm really interested to see how they, if you know, if they go forward down this route and try and woo more people over to the visitor centre, I guess getting a bit more money in there. And, uh, and, and oh, be, so being good. able to go out on a night out in Coronation Street, you know, in you know, a mere stone thrones away from the cobbles itself. I think that's pretty cool. So good luck to them, I say. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm very interested. I want to... Now, now do it at a time that we can go and uh, and, and do no, something that we'd be interested in. they make fun in. of us. No, well, we don't have to go and see comedy nights. They're going to do sh- show uh, crowd work. Yeah. I don't want to go there. Oh, no, we don't, do we? Right, Um. so... Good luck. Stayed... I, good, yeah. luck. good luck. I good like luck. comedy. Yes. Jodie Prenger now. Tell. So she plays Glenda in Coronation Street, but she's going to be having a little break um, later on this year because um, we, we've heard before how she was... Was it was it Annie or was it something else that she was on stage? Or was it? I'd do anything. Yeah, is that Annie? 
Oh, no, that's Oliver, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's Oliver. But she is going to be in Annie. Mrs. Annie the Musical, playing Miss Hannigan, between the 15th and the 20th of May in Llandudno. Where? In Wales. What's the venue called? Venue Cymru. Well done. So, um, well, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, so if you're, if you're a massive fan... An owl. Stop, yeah, uh, if you're a massive fan of Joji Prenger on Coronation Street and you want to go and see her turn her hand to something else and maybe even do a little bit of singing, then you can book your tickets to that and let us know how she is because uh, we're not going over to Wales to see this, but I'd certainly, if she came anywhere near us, I'd be very tempted to, to go and see her I'll on stage. I'll make her sing if she came near Yeah, well, she's only doing it for a week. There's like five or six performances, <laughs> maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a bit more than that. And um, yeah, 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 I hope that all goes well for her and um, also on stage coming to a town near you soon as long as you live somewhere nearby somewhere they're going um, Faye Brooks who we just saw at a panto this Christmas didn't we in the, uh, the classic role of Goldilocks she's going to be um, in Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom musical next month um, she's going to be succeeding Macy Smith who um, used to be in EastEnders apparently and um, she's going to be taking on the role of Fran from March the 27th uh, and I don't know how long this is going for this tour seems like it's going on forever but she's she's going to Bradford Milton Keynes Norwich <laughs> Bournemouth, that's near us, isn't it? And she's going all over. Aberdeen, Glasgow, Salford, of course, Bristol. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're a, a Kate Brooks fan and you're just missing a bit of that... Sorry, Faye Brooks, I always get those. Or missing a bit of a Kate Connor fix. Go, go and see it. her because she's quite good. Yeah. Can you do the next bit of news? Someone will have some of my well, chocolate. Why didn't you... You could have asked me at any point. I'm asking you now. Wendy, Wendy Peters, Peters is going... Uh, to be playing, or she is playing, Nina Bolsara, Doctor. Yeah, she started on. Doctors. She started being a doctor in Doctors this week. I think That's yesterday the main was job. maybe her first episode. It's like so, the most important role. It's like being Ken Barlow. Who, who's Wendy Peters, Gemma? She used to play Scylla. Not what the Chinchilla. They got the cast of Chinchilla on Doctors now. She was human Scylla, of course. I'd actually watch Doctors if they had a human Chinchilla in it. If they had a human chinchilla, yeah, what would that look like? <laughs> I don't even know. Would it be a would it be a human sized chinchilla gone wrong or something that was bald or something, or would it be a chinchilla sized human? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Write in and let me know. In a cage. So she was talking. We still never find out how that chinchilla escaped the cage, did we? Or how it died. Maybe it turned into a little mini human and got to pick the lock or something. Mm-hmm. And then, it's not um, Doctors, Michael. It's Coronation Street. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, so she, she's been on Doctors. If anyone's seen her on Doctors, I don't know if we've got any Doctors fans here um, on the Conversation Street listenership. Do let us know how she is. And is like her character anything like Scylla or is she, is she a departure from that? I can't imagine a Doctor like Scylla lasting for any length of time in the profession. She's a, she's a soap star. There's probably all sorts of Doctors that aren't like real Doctors in it. Anyway, she's been talking about Coronation Street, hasn't she? Yeah. That's your, invita- that's your invitation. I'm just to waiting read to see quote. if you're going to let me read. You told me to read and then Sorry, you. Sorry, I'm, I'm hot chocolate. Here we go. Mmm. Yeah. Tea. So she's been talking to Inside Soap because she's on Doctors. And now I don't know where the notes are. Here we go. And she said, <laughs> I heard Chesney's getting married, but I don't think anyone's told his mother. I think it would be funny if Scylla met Evelyn and Bernie. Maureen Lipman is a comic genius and Jane Hazelgrove is a brilliant actress. I can imagine them having some great comedy scenes around the wedding buffet, but who knows? Scylla made a big, big impact and I'm glad she gets a mention now and again, but I'm happy where I am. 
Yeah, from from what I sort of glean from other things that Wendy has said, I don't think there's any mega rush to get back into Coronation Street. And I think after her last um, visit to the cobbles, where the character had been mellowed out far too much, I I, I think maybe stay away. I think that if she came back, she wouldn't be. The Scylla of old. Maybe she would. I mean, that was a different producer back then. And Ian McLeod might say, no, I want to have Scylla back exactly how she was in the early 2000s. But it's not going to happen. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of excuse as to why when uh, Scylla doesn't appear for Chesney's wedding. Probably starting on Osteo and ending in Osus. She's just going to go to the next one. Final bit of news, Molly Gallagher. She's still on Dancing on Ice. She's hanging on in there. Bit close last week. Yep. Sorry, you say it. She got four, lots of six and a half, and she came third from bottom, and she's danced to To Be Loved by Lizzo. You like a bit of Lizzo, don't you? Do you know this one? I, I haven't listened to Lizzo for a long time. Oh, okay. We fell out over that flute. What? <laughs> I, that's a reference that I don't get. Anyway, hang on in there, Molly. You can do it, my lass. And that's it for news. So right, let's, you don't... let's do some feedback. Yeah. What? I don't want. That's fine. Do feedback. feedback. Okay, so onto the feedback section now. And uh, last week on the Facebook group, 3.48 was the average score that was awarded. So not too bad. Um, Richard gave three and a half kidneys with one previous owner, but a lot of mileage left in it out of five. I like that one. Um, Jared scored two, sorry, four tooth hearty dentist appointments out of five. He was, somebody on a Facebook group was making a joke about that, weren't they? And saying that their family always make a joke about tooth hearty and then they just done it that day that it appeared on Coronation Street. That was funny. Um, Jonathan was my um, pick of the week last week and he gave it three karate kids in a push-up bra out of five. Thank you everybody who voted. And don't forget if you would like to vote and maybe have your comments read out in this section, go and find the poll every week. I post it on Saturday mornings. That's another thing for me to do tomorrow, I just remembered. Wouldn't so, we live in a different world if a push-up bra helped you did push-ups instead of showing off your boobs? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a different world? Right, Is it one I... where you just kind of... Do, does it... it if does it in, inflate and deflate, you just lie, you lie on your on chest and then it just goes... Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, there we go. Okay, what does Rebecca have to say about last week's Coronation Street, Gemma? Still loving the Daisy story and Justin is so creepy, it's brilliant. When the sales assistant said, your fiancé's here, and it was Justin, not Daniel, I had chills. I think the police need to clamp down on Justin before he kidnaps Daisy, as that's clearly the way it's heading. Hope Christina comes back for the wedding, as she's brilliant, and I loved her rivalry with Jenny. Although when Jenny and Daisy share that hug, that was so cute. I'm with Gemma. I'm wondering if Justin is lying about the hospice too, especially as we never saw his mum. What if Justin just hangs around clinics stalking pretty girls? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is true. I, this story um, was completely absent this week, wasn't it? I don't think we even saw any Daisy at all. She must be having a little bit of a breather. But um, I hope it's not too long before that's back again. I did see that Coronation Street posted just today, and I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler, a nice little bit of promo art for the story. There's like, you know, the... Um, I think it was by the Ginnell entrance, you know, around the side of the Rovers. Yep. And Justin was there looking all shady on his phone, sort of glowing in his face. And it was like in the dark and everything. And then in the foreground, it was Daisy all looking a little bit worried. I think it was a very nicely done shot. And I'm looking forward to, uh, obviously, they if they've done some special photography for it, this story is going to be getting... Um, a lot darker and bigger before it ends, so uh, I'm all in for that. Rebecca says, Hope is just crazy and I love it. When she sang Vin Diesel the Weasel's fangs in her, I shuddered. Although I did guess Beth 
slapped her as I thought it would be typical hope when she's telling the truth she doesn't get believed. I really hope Beth gets found out and punished but I do sympathise with her as Peanut is her baby and according to her she did nothing wrong. It was funny that that didn't get mentioned this week wasn't it? I mean Beth was quite heavily featured but she was kind of the hero this week by sewing all those things for Sarah. Coronation Street's official position on slapping children. It's fine. It's fine as long as you go and help sew some late night sample t-shirts with words on them in the next week. It's fine as long as you say it wasn't you. (laughs) Rebecca says, Max pleading guilty surprised me, although I should have seen it coming, especially with him telling David he still thought racist views, he still has racist views. He wants to prove a point. Jack played a blinder this week, although please don't send David down an alcoholic route. I'm wondering how they can get around Max getting sent down for 10 years, as obviously, and hopefully, he won't be losing Paddy. Maybe like Gemma said, Griff admits to grooming him, but I can't really see that happening. I quite like the Damon story, sorry, as I think Damon is great as a villain. I was curious why he asked Dee Dee out on a date and it seems like he's being paired up with every woman, although if he gets together with Amy, that would be creepy and weird. I hope Sam learned his lesson not to attack girls with telescopes. <laughs> and yes, the Rita scene really was random and didn't make any sense. I'm really hoping the two weddings aren't on the same day as both need time to themselves in the episode. In the episode. I did laugh at Gemma being awed at the items at the wedding fair and Gemma being all excited that maybe now she could finally get the flower goat. I'm still hoping Chesney opens a Virgo franchise in the precinct as he needs some direction in life. Glad to see Eileen back, although like you two said, she didn't really need an exit story. Glad to see Lawrence back as well, so now the story between Sean, Lawrence and Todd can get going again. I also knew Sean would contact Lawrence to try to fix Todd's tooth as soon as George cracked the tooth. It was too easy to predict. Ain't that the tooth? <sighs> the tooth hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god still gonna oh yeah baby it's, it's midnight we're knackered but we can still make awful tooth puns finally Dev and Bernie was filler but I didn't have Bernie joining the ladies filler golf or filling oh god okay. <laughs> I didn't have Bernie joining the ladies golf team on my 2023 bingo card I suppose it fits in with Dev's lifestyle though I can see a story where Bernie is stealing things to sell maybe Fern's husband might pop up again as Fern liked to attend socials at the golf club Character of the week is Justin, although Daisy and David had good weeks also. I'll give this week three and a half pieces of cocaine in the bistro cake cabinet at five. Nice. Thank you, Rebecca. And up next, we have Nancy with her thoughts on last week. She says, I don't think Justin has a sick mother. I think he hangs around places so he can stalk people. See, this is, this is what Rebecca said as well. This is just a, a, a loitering stalker. The biggest maybe. twist of the year will be finding out Justin's mum's died. I know. If I was Daisy, I would definitely keep track of dates and time. She doesn't need to stop posting, though. She just needs to do it in such a way that the location can't be determined. Maybe she should record events and then post them a few days later. This is what I used to do when I was posting and yeah I never never posted when I was there because you didn't want people to come and stalk you and give you flowers well no no, no. why not then for privacy reasons. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think Fizz should have gone after Hope and brought her back into the house. And I was surprised that Beth actually hit her. Um, Beth may have done it because she doesn't think Fizz and Tyrone know how to handle her. It seems like they've forgotten that Kirk's family have bred dogs too. I do not believe that Max will get 15 years for his crime. If he testifies, he should get some kind of reduced sentence. I feel so bad for David though. I was glad he could talk to Shona. If I was Audrey, I'd wonder why Stephen didn't want me to help David out. I do think that Max can change. I was happy that Leanne was going to handle Damon. Nick's not very good at handling these situations, though. I think Damon will get killed by the people he deals with. Oh, no. Deals drugs with. I give this week's episodes three and a half. Weasel, Van Diesel's, 
out of five with the character of the week going to Daisy, but a shout out to David as well. Do you think that, um, you know, we said that is this the end of Damon this week? If I think if he does get out now, it's going to be unsatisfying if he just gets arrested again. So maybe he will get out and then get killed. But I've already had quite a few deaths already this year. Not enough, though. Not, mm. Okay. Well, not uh, enough for the high stakes well, that we've had. They've had Teddy, haven't they? Um, okay, Gemma, Tasnia, we've got a long email, so uh, take a deep Buckle breath. Buckle in. This is, a, this is a long one. Here we go. I want to start off with a Daisy story. Before I start, just a disclaimer, I'm not victim-blaming, I promise. <laughs> we should all be able to live life how we want, and in an ideal world, it'd be easy. But we don't live in an ideal world, and as Gemma said, we have to be our own advocate. I have to say, I find it hard to believe Daisy would continue to post the way she has if she's meant to be a social media savvy as they want us to believe she is, and a big influencer, and she'd know what to do and not what not to do, especially as a lifestyle blogger. See, I, d- I don't think that Daisy like watches soap operas, and that's basically the place to go to learn about no, it isn't. issues no. in life. No, we- women are quite good at disseminating information to each other. That's because women like soaps, Gemma. I'm cont- I can tell you that. <laughs> She would know not to post where she is while she's there, see, and instead post it later. This is what, I just want to say this about when we go out and do podcast stuff on, you know, when we go out and about. I always we say do that do to that you. on occasion, yes. No, but you've you've been baffled when I've said this to you. You're like, oh, I'm just going to post that we're black. I'm like, don't put it, wait till we've gone. Yeah. Oh. Do you remember me saying that to you? Yeah, I do remember that, but I like to post about it at the time. I know you do. I'd like it. Nobody wants safe... to go and stalk me. All right. Women and men have different behaviours, don't they? They do. For different reasons. <laughs> go on, carry, carry on. Anyway, she says, but I can let that go. But what I can't let go is her posting a wedding invite. Honestly, before this happened, I actually thought to myself, I bet she'd be dumb enough to reveal her wedding date. But then I thought, no. Then she does exactly that. <laughs> and I couldn't believe no one said anything other than an eye roll. I know she said Operation Normal, but it's not normal to reveal your wedding date and location. And I just think Daisy would know that, so it doesn't make sense. It's just the same as reading the bands. <laughs> yeah, just that's re- true. Just reading them on it. Yeah, anyone can go along to the church service when they're reading the bands and go, right. Oh, I'm going to go to that wedding. <laughs> He's a band loiterer, isn't he? He is. The, the Church of England's been enabling stalkers for thousands <laughs> of years. Stalker or not. I don't no, think the Church of England's been going gonna for say thousands that. of years. I knew you were going to say that. Sorry, history buffs. <laughs> Stalker or not, no one gives out that kind of info. I've followed a few influencers over the years and they've always made a point of not giving away the date. Some don't even reveal they're engaged. They don't even give away the details of other people's weddings. If they wanted Justin to find out the details, they should have found another way. I just feel like they're taking the easy route and getting Daisy to put everything online, which isn't actually as creepy when Justin does keep showing up and not realistic either. I just remembered I I have got invited to a wedding in April. I'll tell you more about it later. Remember don't tell, tell anybody you. on the podcast. I'm not going to tell you guys because Bunch I don't want Justin's you to stalk them. In. Yeah. yeah. I do believe, was I invited or was it just you again? I don't know, actually. I'll inc- check I, the email. Sorry, can I just, this new, what's the word, trend of... Snubbery. Of only inviting one of a couple <laughs> is so rude. I don't, I honestly, I don't remember. I'll uh, look later. I wouldn't want to come anyway. I do believe that Corey doesn't quite understand how social media works still and I sometimes wonder whether the actors can give advice and say this isn't how it works. Like for example, the twi- teens, they don't talk or act like teens in real life and they aren't written very well and I always think why don't the actors say we don't actually talk like that? I think the longer you're in the show, the the bolder you get. They're only little. 
I, th- I think teens. that I, I, I have heard tales of actors saying, this. I think we just need to tweak this. Even like when we saw Samia and Mikey back in autumn, there were bits. I can't remember whether they changed lines themselves, but there were certainly about, well, let's talk about how we're going to deliver this line. Do you remember if any, yes, any of the lines? So it, it does happen, but I'm not surprised that the teens are maybe a little bit hesitant to say, the other no, thing, no, we don't talk like as that. well, is that it's, it's, yeah, it's important, but it's also you can't, you can't alienate the grannies. They've got to know what the teens are saying. You know, <laughs> That's this, true. Or this street lingo. If, yeah, if the teens all talk start, like street teens actually do, then... Talking in emojis very to each good, other. Very Those good point. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't blame Glenn. Roy would understand it, though. He'd go, poop emoji. <laughs> and then you go, I actually don't like saying poop because I don't believe... It's an Americanism that we don't no, need I don't say poop. in this country. But I believe the official name for that emoticon is actually poop. It's actually so the I'm, chocolate ice cream emoji. Yeah, but it's not called that. <laughs> but he loves the train emoji, doesn't it? But he's found all of those. <laughs> picked holes in them. But that truly is a dilemma for Roy, though, isn't it? He would be stuck between, it's not a poop, it's a poo, but mm. the official name for it does involve the word poop. Mm. Oh, well, uh, a quandary for another day. Shall we continue? Yeah, go for I it. I also don't blame Glenda for av- advising Daisy to take a social media break. There's a difference between telling someone to stay off it in case they're put in danger and telling someone to stay off it because they're actually in danger. This guy isn't just spamming her. He knows where she works and where she lives and always turns up where she is. I know it's unfair, but I would advise the same to my friend because it's a best initial step to keeping safe. Do you think that, like, the end story, the lesson that Daisy learns is just going to be... I won't post at places where I am. And the whole of this storyline is built up for her to have this revelation that she needs to delay her posting. I don't know. Because I, I can't see her completely coming off social media. Well, nobody says, this. look, this is, this is the thing, right? Nobody says, if you don't want to be burgled, you shouldn't have a house, do they? But they no. do say, lock your door so nobody comes in. Yeah. That's the, maybe, what's the social media equivalent of that? Uh, well, I believe you can... No, I don't know. Just don't post when you're out. Yeah. As for Justin, she says, I think he's a really good actor. I think this will end with him dying. Either he'll take his own life or some horrible accident, maybe at the wedding. I don't think so. I know the flowers weren't weren't from him, but when we did think they were from him, I interpret it as him pushing the fact that he'd die for her because that's what he told her. So those are the funeral flowers that Tracy sent. I think it's an interesting story, she says, but I think they've made it way too easy by getting Daisy to just post everything like that. This wouldn't happen in real life. Again, I like Daisy being an influencer, but they need to make it a bit more realistic. I do think they need to be more careful because they might be sending the wrong message of how to handle this sort of situation. They're also in danger of making Daisy out to be more interested in getting freebies than her own safety and potentially the safety of those around her. Just feeds into the stereotype that influence is superficial, which isn't true, especially as we've been seeing a deeper side to Daisy. I just think it's a bit unfair on the character. I mean, I like to consider myself as a bit of an influencer, as the uh, the co-host of a, a 10 plus year podcast. Yeah. And, and so, uh, am I superficial? No, you're, you're, I am. Are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose you're a little bit materialistic, aren't you? Now yeah. I'm going to think about it. Okay, she says, Hope story. I don't agree with hitting kids, but hope's not real. <laughs> I think it was about time. It was interesting to see some of the discussion that went on in our Facebook group in the uh, yeah. in the aftermath of there last week's of podcast. Lots, oh, lots of opinions about Beth hitting hope. Fizz and Tyrone have been way too soft. While we're at it, Beth should get a slap too. She's overdue a good kicking. <laughs> I think it's time we got a break from Hope and focus on Ruby. She's just been 
she just has an in she has just as much of an interesting backstory maybe they're waiting for her to be a bit older but in the meantime we don't need any more hope they're, they're just waiting for her to be a little bit more head swap Finally, she says, I enjoyed the discussion about the Baileys on the bonus podcast. Thanks. I think a big issue with diversity characters is that they sh show off about these characters with all the promo, only for them to come on the screen and be like everyone else. What I mean is, we don't learn about the thing that makes them diverse. The Nazirs are the ones I can relate to, so I'll use them as an example. They barely talk about being Muslim. Sudan's mentioned like once maybe but we have Eid twice a year and Ramadan for a month and in the who knows seven or eight years they've been on they've mentioned it like twice it's like they forgot this is a, a diverse family in the early days Ali didn't engage in sex before marriage but now it seems like that's not a thing we don't know for sure obviously but surely it would come up if you're dating someone who doesn't have the same belief she could also have um changed her mind which is fine but why wasn't that brought up I think we've said this before haven't yeah, we, yeah, about we Alia have. in particular yeah. and um yeah there have been a few a few bits where I'm definitely agreeing with what Tasnia is saying so far that, that yeah, but but equally, I mean, I I can't remember. It felt I think when I spoke to Shelley on the podcast, Shelley King, who plays um uh, Yasmin, she talked about her being a secular person from a Muslim background. But I'm sure that who she, she, uh, she, uh, Yasmin. But I'm sure she that she has been more religious in the past. I just want to point out she was she observed Ramadan. In the very early days, mm. when she was still married to Sharif. Yeah, but I think that they still do. And Sharif and Zidane were both depicted as more devout. Yes, they definitely were. But I think they have had Ramadan since, and and they still and they talked about um the the the, the charity donation, didn't they? Um, oh uh, yeah. Alia and Yasmin do. So they still there are still are. They know, observe some of the, things. One but... of the five pillars of Islam. Yes, but you know also as Christians, I think we you know from a Christian background. I think sometimes people like to criticise, but Christians do that as well. They pick and choose. Yeah. Like, I, you know, not, not only eating fish on a Friday, how, how many people observe that? Yeah, no, no, exactly. But yeah, I, I, I would be interested to see a little bit more of it. I mean, do, I do they do their five daily prayers, for example? Because we have never seen them do a never prayer in the whole of... Yeah, and considering it's supposed to be five a day, the odds of right. not appearing on an exciting scene Yeah, but how often do you low. go to the toilet in a day? Never see them on the loo, do you? Very true. Right, so she says, not to mention, um, they hang out in the pub. I know they're not drinking, but we still don't do that. It just seems like they were too lazy and it's just easier to do things this way. But I'm not bothered about the religion side of things. They're obviously not devout and I include Sudan in that. As many Muslims, like myself, would rather not have the representation in this context. But what about their culture? Apart from speed dial, what is there to show their cultural diversity? I remember when they joined, Ali and Sudan used to refer to their grandparents by the Urdu words for gran and granddad. Oh, yes. Yes, Papa I G. know. And then, yeah, and then they suddenly stopped and started saying gran and granddad. Yeah, see, I hadn't even noticed that, but they totally do, don't they? Oh, and remember when it was really, um, it came out a lot when, who's the one that was having an affair with um, Sharif? Sonia. Sonia. And they would call it, and they were saying bitter all the time to each other. Yes, they, they didn't were. didn't do that anymore either. Gosh, I'd completely forgotten I, about I that. I remember that. making, uh, commenting on that in the podcast, yeah. saying this is quite interesting. And we learned stuff, we didn't learned, we? And, yes. we? and it made us go, what does that, let's look that up. And then we looked stuff up and we learned. Yeah. And they didn't feed it to us, did they? They no, just had it there. It was just in there because it was yeah. normal for them. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, she says, I also remember them having a dinner party in Alia dress in traditional Asian clothing, but we don't have that anymore. Why? Dinner parties and dressing up is actually a big part of our culture. And weirdly, we never see them visiting family. They don't even talk about them. We never, we don't have to see it, but just seeing them getting ready and talking about it would be enough. Mm. I, I get the idea that in the show, um, we're supposed to think that Yasmin is estranged from her family because she married Sharif. Yes. But, um, and, and then there's obviously Sharif's family that they're not going to see anymore, so maybe they are just... I think the don't... biggest, most recent nod uh, to the, like, you want to say the diversity of the Nazirs was that they had curry for, for Christmas Day. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> I don't wondering, know how traditional it is. I'm, I, I don't know what the status of Zidane is on the show, or whether he's in it, or whether he's not in it, or whatever. Yeah, what's but, he but I know, But I know that Kaz, who plays him, has um, had a bit more of a spiritual awakening in the past year, hasn't it? And he went to Mecca last year, did his Hajj, and, and I wonder whether he would like to see Zidane go more down that route. And, and you know, if, yeah. if, I, if I was, had had a similar sort of, you know, enlightenment as, or whatever, that's probably the wrong word, as he had, um, then I, 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 I might say, I, I'd, to, like, I'd like reflected. to explore that in my character, who, mm. come on guys, do you remember, was always supposed to be devout. Let's have him going back down that route again. So maybe we'll start to see more of that again. I don't know. She says, it seems like they only remember people are diverse when they want an issue story, but that's not what our life is. And there are other issues apart from the obvious that would be more relatable. For example, we have a lot of issues within the Asian community. Alia is a millennial and we as millennials have a lot of issues and trauma growing up because of our community. That's why we need more writers who are representatives, not just characters. The truth is, we have these diverse characters, but we don't learn anything about their way of life. The most diverse character is actually Nina. I've learned stuff about golf culture, and although she doesn't talk about it much now, it's in her personality, the way she is. It's the same with Bernie. She really shows her spiritual side through the way she is, and it comes naturally without her feeling like a PSA. And we can't really say the same thing about other characters. That Very was really thoughtful. That was, thank you, Tasney. I really enjoyed uh, listening to that. Nice to have um, somebody talking about it from their own experiences. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was fascinating. Thank you very much. I um, navigate our way through not really knowing what we're talking about. Yeah, and it, and it kind of was spoiled on from the Bailey stuff, but it yeah. wasn't about the Baileys. Well, so. she, yeah, she's talking about what she knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with a lot of your points. Yeah, no, really. totally. I, I absolutely do. Um, Jake is up next and he says, I really enjoyed listening to John's predictions and hopes for the future Cory storylines. That was last week's podcast that we read those out. He says, it gave me a strange assurance that I'm not the only one who spends masses of their time imagining storylines that will probably never happen and dreaming of sitting in Ian McLeod's seat. Anyway, I thought I'd share my ideas. Not to outdo John, but that would be a bonus. Ready for this, Gemma? Right, is this going to be me. as good as Hilda, Hilda's I've death? got my commissioning book out. Right. Firstly, there's a problem with Daisy and Daniel's wedding booking, so they have a joint service with Chesney and Gemma, much to Daisy's dismay. Justin turns up at the wedding, just in time. It doesn't say that, I've just added that in. Convinced that Daniel is trapping Daisy and he is ready to kill Daniel. A scuffle breaks out at the wedding and Justin ends up killing Paul, who is caught in the crossfire. Justin goes to prison. <laughs> Yeah, I'll commission that one. Alina returns. What happened to the goat? Yeah, very good point. Is Paul the goat? <laughs> Alina returns to the street with Tyrone's baby slash toddler. With nowhere else to stay, Fizz reluctantly lets her move in with them, leaving Hope furious. Alina secretly tries to seduce Tyrone again and goes to the length of sleeping with his workmate Aaron to make him jealous. 
when Tyrone rejects her, Alina leaves and Tyrone never sees his child again. Fuming at Aaron's betrayals, Summer leaves for Oxford on her own. Billy moves south to get better paid job and be around Summer the next time she tries to sell her baby without giving birth. Approved. (laughs) Ken's grandson... James Cunningham returns to the street with the news that Ken's son Lawrence has died. James gradually wins back Ken's trust, but it's all part of a wider scam. <laughs> See, I completely... I, I, I haven't this, forgotten about the Cunninghams. I, 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 they're the characters that I, like, I know exist, but if you were to ask me what they did, it's like one of them was gay and one didn't like the one that they were gay. And, and I don't remember anything. I'd forgotten about the scamming. James gets Ken a holiday at a villa in Spain. James is renting the property but hires someone to pose as an estate agent and creates a fake website so that Ken makes a six-figure purchase on a villa he'll never own. Nice. We get some scenes filmed in Spain for a week. Well, that ain't gonna happen. I approve. With the Barlows on holiday, because why not? However... James doesn't account for falling for Todd Grimshaw, who now has Billy, Paul and Summer out of his life. Todd rumbles James, but James tries to persuade him that he has nothing left in Weatherfield and they choose to go on the run together with the money. What will Todd choose? I like that. Hey, I don't mind this. We're, Approved. I'm not. I don't remember massively liking the Cunningham storyline, but that was quite good. And also, now that James Bailey is left, we're free to have another character called James, and he doesn't have to come back and yeah. say, "I'm called Jim now." <laughs> Call me Jimmy B. After getting rid of quite a few characters and moving some around, a residence is up for sale, and in moves <coughs> the Hewitts. What? The father, Christopher Hewitt. Oh. Ah, my God. son of Harry and Conceptor with his wife Aisling where'd that come from I, and two sons Paddy and Fergal Christopher reminisces with Ken and Rita about his mother before eventually confiding that he is gay As and uh, for an older <laughs> Irish Catholic Everyone's even with a family and long marriage this is quite a significant thing to overcome yes. there's not enough LGBTQ plus representation for older people which is a shame well, Aisling becomes a serial killer eventually <laughs> what in my head she's brilliant she kills at least five major characters but she'll never exist Saddam Saddam Sarah and Adam <laughs> although, uh, split it's up it's Ashling it's not Aisling oh sorry uh, split up and nobody cares Brian grows closer to Mary and consider. I said Clan Dudno right earlier on today yeah. I know that's a different country but okay. so Brian grows closer to Mary and considers proposing that's interesting because that was all coming around around Christmas wasn't it will Brian and oh, Mary get together yeah, and we're, we're uh, over a month away from there and there's nothing, been nothing I um, Kathy returns and he's in two minds after a heart to heart with Kathy she encourages him to move on and embrace happiness oh. as he prepares to pop the question he has a heart attack oh, and no, dies what? What? Oh, Gunny. Mary jumps to the wrong conclusion and thinks the ring oh. was meant for Kathy. After drowning her sorrow, she sets her sights on Adam Barlow. <laughs> and it works! Oh my goodness. Approved. No way. Amy develops a crush on Damon. Yeah, I know. Unaware that he's having an affair with Tracy. Made all the more complicated when Damon's old prison oh mate turns up. Jim McDonald! He conveniently arrives whilst Liz is visiting fireworks nice meanwhile amy makes a friend at uni called jasmine who moves onto the street she is trans and becomes a love interest for ardu approved following brian's death the cabin goes up for sale curly watts returns this, and buys I tell it you what, can i just say if we if we who is this jake yes if jake and john were in charge of coronation street the street would be completely revamped with just characters from back in the old days. I know, John's Nobody list last year was all about returning characters, yeah. wasn't it? Last week, I mean. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Curly Watts is back. However, he's shocked to come face to face with Jasmine, who was born as his son, Ben Watts, before oh, no. transitioning. Oh my gosh, 
sure what is going on now. They're estranged for parental reasons and have a bumpy road uh... to recovering their relationship. I think now more than ever, it's important to have trans representation on telly. Approved. And finally, my favourite story of the lot. Rita gets a letter from Bet Lynch. Yes. Bet wants to reunite, but she has an ulterior motive. She's remarried to Dennis Tanner. Dennis reveals that he preferred the idea of Rita believing he was dead and then married her, uh, uh, married to her former uh, friend. However, Dennis is dying for real and he wants to heal old wounds. Uh, we get a three-hander between them because why not? Dennis passes away and leaves everything he has again, to Rita. that old boot. Twice in one decade. Ben is furious and Rita Bet. agrees to give her, sorry, Bet's furious and Rita agrees to give her 50% of it. Bet uses it to go travelling, but decides to keep in touch with her old friends, especially Rita. This storyline is mostly for the purpose that I have serious issues with exits for Bet and Dennis. Approved. Very good stuff. I approve all of that, and I approve everything that John said, and I approve everything that we said. You can't have it all, because I I I don't think that would work. Nice, creative ideas. I like those. Very, very clever stuff. Everybody's really stepped up this year. I know they have. They have, and I was quite pleased with my predictions as well, but I think, you know, they they pale in comparison to these ones that our listeners are suggesting. Right, Gemma. Yes. I believe we're done. Do you believe we're done? I believe... We believe it, we can do it. I believe it's true. Half past 12. Got to get up jolly early tomorrow. So um, we're going to end the podcast now. But of course, first we need to say what to do if you want to contact us. What to do if you if you catch on fire? What do you do, Michael? Uh, well, ask Tommy Lee Royce. Stop, drop, roll. Okay. Email us at <laughs> conversationstreet at gmail.com. Oh Don't forget Subject we... header, fire. Don't forget, we've got a competition <laughs> running yeah. where you can win a t- one year subscription to our Patreon top tier it's jolly good and um, all you need to do is write in to our email address and tell us what Steve and Andy McDonald's radio show was called on their pirate radio station and you've got a month to do not it not the name of the actual station no the show the, the show, show that they made mm-hmm. on it um, so there's that we are um, we are on iTunes go and give us a review it'd be lovely five stars of course we're on Instagram we're on Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, join our Facebook group. We've had a few new members on our Facebook group this week, haven't we? Hello to all of you. Um, We're on Patreon, of course, otherwise we wouldn't be able to run a competition for it. And um, YouTube as well. And um, Oh yeah, look at our YouTube. uh, We've gone through a whole episode and I don't think we've even done a single plugette of Street Talk shorts. So this is it. Go and watch our Street Talk shorts. It's brilliant. They're lovely and it's a labour of love. It's fun. It's um, snappy. We every every week, every day, every episode, every episode. We'll come we on with, one of we'll these. say, "Oh, we like that." Thank you, everybody who goes and wait. I know there's some people that sit and wait for us to put those shorts up. So thank it you. It usually if that's gets you. uploaded between say like twenty past half past nine. Yeah, Michael works really I, hard. I, I'm like trying to get it out. Like, I, try, I'm aim, I aim for quarter past nine, but it's it's usually it's, it's around about. Michael was like, "Oh, ladies, anyway, um, we we may have um some more YouTube." content coming out over the next few days it's a little bit um different out of the ordinary so um but keep we, your eyes peeled for that but don't stalk us no don't stalk us please that and i don't want anyone nice. to feel sad i don't i don't want to feel anyone to feel sad that i said um i'm i tried to have safety i trust all of you 
but except for you, you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. to. You know, you know who you are. You're listening. I know. You, I know you know you. I know you know. Anyway, keep your eyes on our social media <laughs> over the weekend. Um, there should be some good stuff going on there. And uh, and that's it. So ta-ra for now. Goodbye. Anything? No, I'm not going to ask you, Gemma, because you just give some weird advice, like if you get athletes, but then um, don't shove it in people's faces. Right. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. And the music for this episode came from PodcastThemes.com. Oh, 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 oh.